What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. This week, my schedule is so busy because next week, my brother's getting married. And so I am going to have a new sister-in-law, as I've already, as I've already mentioned on here. I'm hyped because I, I made them. I can, like, spoil it now because they already have the gift, but I made them this big 20 by 30 print. You can see it on my Instagram. Since the, Hey, that's what the theme of this show is today. We got an Instagram celeb on here. Um, if you go to at It's Intuition on Instagram and scroll down a little bit, you can see a picture of my brother and, and new sister, uh, this wedding engagement – or this engagement picture that I did, and I printed it real fancy as a 20 by 30, and they're going to hang it on their wall, and the framing just came out really awesome, so I'm hyped on that. But yeah, by the time this comes out, I will be on a plane with my grandmother headed to Alaska. <sighs> You know, a few different things happened this week, so I think I'm going to tell two stories just so I don't forget them, and I've I've already posted about one of them on Facebook, and so you may have read it, and if you did, oh well, I'm going to tell it again. I went to the grocery store the other day, and I think I was just in there to get some almond milk, and I have moral qualms about the fact that I use almond milk because I know California is in a, con- a constant state of drought, and um, almonds and cattle are the two products in California that use up about, I think, like 80% of our water supply. But the thing is, is that I think as I'm getting older, I'm also a little bit lactose intolerant and soy milk has a lot of estrogen in it or promotes estrogen growth or something. And so I drink almond milk and I'm ashamed of myself for drinking almond milk because I think it's bad um, for the California environment. But at the same time, I don't like to sit on the toilet shitting all day uh, when I drink milk. So... That's my aside about that. I went to the grocery store to buy almond milk, and while I was there, I walked by the little uh, for sale aisle uh, to see if there were any desserts that I didn't need that were on sale because I'm a weak man. I'm I'm not perfect, and even though I try to avoid eating sweets, every once in a while, if there's a fucking lemon meringue pie on sale or maybe some muffins, I will cop those and eat them faster than I should. And as I walked by that sale aisle in the Ralph's, this little lady flags me over and she's like, excuse me, excuse me, can you come help? Excuse me, sir, come help. And so I head over to her and she's just a little, she's a little lady, like maybe five, two or something. And so I'm looking down at her going, yeah, what's up? And she points down even farther and there's this little old lady on the ground who's only like, I mean, she's, I mean, she's like full, like picture the most stereotypical grandmother you can in your head. And that's what this lady looked like, like pure white hair, um, pink sweater on. I remember that. And I don't remember what pants she had on, but like, you know, white grandma's shoes type of thing. And she's on the ground fully. And I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? Thinking like she broke her hip or something. She's like, I'm okay. I just can't get up. And so literally this lady had fallen and she can't get up. And, um, she's like, I just, I just can't get up. I just need help getting up. And I'm like, okay. Uh, um, I'm like, are you going to be able to stand? And she's like, yeah, I'll be fine. I said, all right. So I, I grab her hand and I'm like, okay. Thinking that like, I don't know why I thought this cause in hindsight it's ridiculous, but I'm thinking that she might be able to kind of like lift herself up, um, with my help using one hand. But as I grab her hand and start to pull, it feels like I'm going to pull her fucking arm out of her socket. Like she's like a complete dead weight at this point. So I, I grab her other hand. I said, okay, let's try it with two hands. And I kind of put my feet, uh, in front of her feet 
as if to like use them as a as a pivot point, you know, and, and just or like a, a fulcrum, I guess. And I'm trying to lift her up that way, and that's not going to work. It feels like both of her arms are going to pop out a second. I said, "Okay, all right." I said, "Ma'am, I'm going to uh, put my hands under your armpits and just like lift you. Is that okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's okay." So I full, I just fully like squat down. You know, because I have good form and I get in like a deadlift position. Who knew that going to the gym to deadlift would be so useful in a real life situation? But it was in this case. I, I squatted down like a deadlift, kept my back straight, lifted with my legs, not my back, and put my arm or put my hands under her armpit and I just kind of like heave hoed her up and got her on two feet. But she was like mad wobbly by the time I got her up. Like, also, it felt weird lifting. I'm like, if when you really lift somebody by the armpits, it feels like it has to hurt. Like, I'm like, I'm going, ooh, this must hurt. Um, but it was also very sadly reminiscent to helping my grandfather, Bruce, uh, who passed at the beginning of 2015. It, it was, it felt like how I had to lift him in his final days. And so I, it was a little, it was eerie. And so I got her on her feet and she's mad wobbly. So I like pulled over a cart and put her hands on the cart and she was finally able to stand. But I'm thinking like, this is not good. She's going to fall again. So somebody at the deli counter had noticed at this point and they're kind of standing around here. And I'm like, okay, are you sure you're all right? And she's like, yes, I'm fine. And the little lady who called me over was like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Okay. And so I had to go check out and, and the lady at the counter, oh, did you find everything okay? I said, yeah, I found everything okay. I was like, but there's a little old lady over there who like fell down. I did my good deed for the day because I had to pick her up. I'm like, you guys might want to like check in on her. Maybe she needs help. Maybe she needs an ambulance or something. Maybe she, she needs a sit down cart or whatever. And she's like, oh my God, really? She fell? And I'm like, yeah. That's like a lawsuit waiting to happen, even if it wasn't their fault. But um, so she gets on the intercom, calls somebody over, and that is that. And I felt real great about the situation. I'm like, I really did a good deed for the day. You guys know how I love to brag about doing good deeds because I'm very openly a dickhead and a piece of shit. But yeah, I, I did my good deed. And then as I'm walking out, feeling good about myself and feeling good about humanity and the future of our species, I see a big overweight dude in a tight t-shirt getting into a fucking giant dodge pickup like a four-door red dodge pickup with nascar stickers all over the back if you read the facebook post i didn't put that part because i thought it sounded too cliche and stereotype people would think that i was making it up but it really had nascar stickers all over the back and he's getting into the truck with a shirt on that says Cool story, babe. Now shut up and make me a sandwich. And all of my good feelings about humanity just disappeared right out the door. And I thought, you know what? We're fucked after all. So that happened. That's my first story. My second story is another story about being an old dude that doesn't like noise. And I'm, it's a story about being a crotchety old man. I tell a lot of crotchety old man stories. I told one a few, I told two a few weeks ago about noise and how uh, I thought that I reacted kindly to noise. This time I was not reacting so kindly. I think I've talked about my techno neighbor on here before. I've deemed him techno neighbor because as soon as he moved in about three years ago, the first day he and his girlfriend moved in, I hear just. <laughs> Like, like I, I don't really hear the high, the high hats. I just hear the fucking boom, 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 boom. But it's like clearly at a, 
uh, EDM or techno or whatever fucking subgenre of electronic music. It is at a fast tempo, well over 80 BPMs, probably in the 120 range. And I just feel the subwoofer pumping. So literally the first day they moved in, I had to go downstairs and knock and just let them know. I said, hey, man. I knock and he's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, yo, you have a pretty good stereo, huh? And he's like, huh? Yeah. uh, yeah." And I'm like, cool. I live upstairs. You're going to have to keep that bass down uh, because... I can't, I can't deal with it. It's shaking my whole walls. He's like, oh, oh, shit. Sorry, man. Okay. And we've never really been too cool since then. And so Friday night, um, I was going to I was gonna go to bed kind of early because I had to wake up because me and Adam, uh, shout out Adam from uh, Ham on Everything. You guys know him. He's been on the show before. That's my buddy. We were going to go to a uh, sensory deprivation chamber, an ISO tank or whatever, or whatever. That's a whole other story. I can talk about that in the future if you guys want me to. I'm very opinionated about it. But we were going to go try an isolation chamber and so – in order to like meet him for breakfast and whatever, whatever, I wanted to get to bed early so that I could wake up at like, you know, pretty early on a Saturday. So I'm trying to get to bed like around, you know, midnight, 1230, nothing unreasonable. And around 1215, I hear the fucking boom, 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 boom. It's, it's, it's more of a rap tempo this time. I, he's finally getting around to like not listening to techno anymore, but he's listening and he's listening to rap music, but he's listening to rap music that's always kind of late. Like when um remember when if you're reading this it's too late came out, he was listening to that after it was like a month old, maybe 2 months old. So like he really was too late. Like he was listening to it too late. And like I remember the day he found out about the life of Pablo record. It was like fully a month too late. And I'm just like, I can recognize the baselines through the floor. And I'm like, how are you finding out about these rap records so late? Like get on the internet, Brody. So anyhow, at 12, 15, I start hearing the, the bass at like a ridiculously loud volume, like louder than usual. And I'm, I'm actually kind of hard of hearing. So I can't really hear the high end through the walls at all. Um, I'm like pretty much half deaf in my right ear. But I can feel the bass in the walls and the floor, like shaking shit. So immediately, as soon as it starts, I go down and I just politely knock on the door. Just a gentle rapping. The dogs, they have two dogs. They go fucking crazy. The dogs are going crazy and growling and barking. They're little tiny, like cute lap dogs, but they're like trying to act tough. And I don't get an answer. And so I stand there for a second awkwardly and I remember a lady walked by on the street just kind of looked at me like what was what was I doing? And so I knocked again a little louder this time, nothing. At this point I'm like this motherfucker's ignoring me. Like he thinks I'm being crazy or something. Because oh, I have to preface this by saying about 2 weeks ago, um I actually had to like stomp on the floor hella loud at 3 in the morning and the the girlfriend came up to my apartment and knocked on the door and was like, "Hey, um is there any way like you can not be asleep and just come down and hang out? And I was like, no, it's three in the morning. I've never talked to you guys before and I don't want to hang out. You know, I'm, I'm sleeping. I'm in the middle of it's three 30. I'm in the middle of sleeping. I've been asleep. Like I don't want to come hang out. So that's the, that's the, the, the preface of this story. So this time I, I go down and, and it's loud and, and nothing happens. So I go back upstairs and I'm like, well, maybe it was so loud they didn't hear me. And so I fucking start straight stomping on the floor. Bam, bam, bam. 
nothing. And at this point, I kind of feel like it's getting louder. Like I feel like they're turning it up to fuck with me. So I get real pissed. And I have a baseball bat in my crib and a machete because I'm ready for the zombie apocalypse. Just saying uh, I will be your melee weapons expert if you need me. Um, And I'm like, okay, cool. They didn't hear those stomps. I'm going to fucking bang on the floor. I take the bat. Bang, bang, bang on the fucking ground. Nothing. Still bass booming. And I'm like, they're just fucking with me at this point. Like the dude clearly doesn't like me and he's doing this on purpose. And so at this point, it's about 1235 and it's still going on. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go down again and try to be civil about this. So I make sure that he's going to hear me this time. And I knock like a fucking police officer and I count out in my head 20 knocks. One, two, three, four, five, like that, like loud as fuck. His door, it's a metal door, it's rattling, bam, 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 like the police. And um, still no answer. And I kind of listen in, I put my ear to the door so I can hear the high notes better. And I hear fucking like air horns and shit, like somebody's in there DJing, like wild and out, like it's a party. So I'm thinking, like, this dude is in here DJing with headphones on or something and like doesn't hear me, like he's practicing a DJ set or something. Like, I don't know what's going on, but clearly something is wrong. And at this point, my mind starts racing, like, hmm. I know that they get they, they they seem to party. Like I wonder if somebody's in there OD'd. Like the dogs are there. Uh, maybe someone's in there dying and the music's loud and they don't and they don't know. I check the door. I fucking rattle the door a little bit to see if it's open. Nothing. So I go back upstairs. And at this point, out of desperation, I start tweeting. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, I got an issue, guys. I want some opinions. My neighbor is like bumping it's about one at this point my neighbor is bumping the music hella loud i understand this is a friday but it's a quiet ass neighborhood no one else parties or is like or has the music turned up like this like they're directly under me it's shaking my floors i don't want to call the cops what do i do people are telling me yo check the door maybe it's unlocked nope the door is locked and then a bunch of people call the cops and I'm like, I don't want to be a snitch. And, and also, I don't think like calling the cops on your neighbors is just – it's not good. It's th- just a way to fucking start a war that's never going to end. And I wasn't trying to get myself into the fucking – into that situation. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that. But at the same time, I'm pretty fucking heated and I, and I don't know what to do. And I'm knocking like such a crazy person that I'm like – at this point they're just scared to open the door like that's what it is they must like they must have heard me and they think that i'm trying to fight or something because i was sounding extra rowdy on the knocks and um so i was like all right look i gotta like get my temper under control and i need to just like take a deep breath calm down and i'm gonna write a, a civil note i'm gonna knock and i'm gonna leave it in the door so i write a note that says hey guys I know that I'm knocking really loud and stomping really loud and hitting the ground, but I'm not upset. I was just doing that because I wasn't sure if you could hear me. Uh, That being said, uh, I have an early morning tomorrow and I'm trying to get to sleep. Uh, As you guys know, when we've talked about before, um, the bass is, is really bothersome. I was like, I'm actually hard of hearing. So I don't care if you guys have the high end turned up really loud because I can't really hear it. I can never hear you guys talking through the walls. I can never hear the high end through the walls. The only thing it is, is the bass. So just turn the subwoofer down. That's all I want. Um, so I really don't care if you guys are partying and stuff. And, and I was like, just please turn the bass down, put a little dash next to it, wrote my name, Lee. And I folded it up and I knocked on the door and I put it 
uh, in in their metal grate on their door. <clears throat> music still hella loud though, and at this point it's like one ten, one fifteen, and then and at this point trying to go to sleep is like a fruitless a fruitless venture. Um, so I was up like designing furniture instead. That's another story I'll tell in the future if you guys are interested. I'm designing furniture for myself. Um, <laughs> So then around 120, 125, I hear some ruckus outside. It's a taxi cab pulling up or an Uber probably because it's 2016. So it's probably an Uber or a Lyft. And I hear uh, at least four people, maybe six, getting out, which is not unusual because they like to party. They go out. They go to the bars and stuff. They have fun and they have friends over. I don't know how they have friends over. They are a couple that lives in a studio apartment. It's very small. My apartment is small. Uh and I hear them going like laughing, ha ha ha. And then I hear uh, from outside, because I can hear the street pretty good. Uh, I hear them go, wait, what's that? And they start reading the note. And so once I realize that they got the note, I run over to the bathroom like a straight creep. And I'm like listening uh, with my ear to the window <laughs> that faces the street because I'm a creep and I'm listening. And I hear that her kind of like reading the note out loud. And she goes, oh, fuck, we left the music on. And they're like, quick, go turn, go turn the music down, go turn the music down. And then it dead silence. And that's about 1.30 and it's just dead silence. And I say, all right, cool. I'm going to go to sleep. And so I go to sleep. That's it. Wake up the next morning, go to the isolation chamber with Adam. Don't have the best experience, but like I said, that's another story. Uh, and I come home. You know, I get home around 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and I was going to bartend a party that night. So I take a nap. I go to sleep. And when I wake up and leave to go to the party, there's a card in my door and I open the card and I immediately know it's going to be an apology letter. Um, And so, yeah, I open it and there's a card in there with a long note that says, you know, we didn't mean to do that. I'm so sorry. Like you're always welcome to like knock on the door and tell us to turn down. We're so sorry. Um, What happened was we were listening to a Power 106 stream and. when we and when we left the stream had gone silent and we just forgot to turn it off and so by the time we got home the stream had started back up and we had the volume really loud we didn't mean to do it we weren't ignoring your knocks like we just weren't home we're so sorry about that and they left their phone numbers if i ever needed to call them they just said hey just call if you ever need to like you know we'll try to keep it cool and they gave me a gift card for the arc light theaters by my house very sweet gesture i was like you know what these two ain't so bad and so uh i fucking texted her the next day and was like hey you know thank you you didn't have to do all that i wasn't that i wasn't really tripping but like i appreciate it It as a very kind gesture uh and i went and watched the lobster for free and and it was enough to get a movie ticket and and a medium popcorn and a motherfucking medium coke and so i did all that and i saw the lobster and it was interesting and i would suggest going to see it uh, <laughs> and that happened. So now I think maybe me and techno neighbor have squashed the beef officially because now I can just text. I'll tell you the truth. I'm not that, te- I'm not that comfortable texting a strange male. Um, so I will probably only ever text his lady, but, um, she seems nice enough. And she invited me to party one night at three in the three thirty in the morning. Uh, clearly intoxicated, even though, uh, I was dead asleep. So she seems nice enough. <laughs> uh, so that's what happened. That's my crotchety old guy tale of like being mad at my young whippersnapper neighbors for being so loud. Uh, but it had a happy ending because I got to see a free movie. All right. 
that intro was fucking long as shit. I'm sorry. If you're new to the podcast, which you probably might be because maybe you're, you're probably a Van Styles fan listening for the first time, this is the intro part. You could have skipped it. The hint to do that is just listen for the beat. When the beat chimes in, that's when the interview starts. So should have warned you guys about that first. Don't forget, we have a Patreon account, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash kind of neat, where you guys can pledge money per episode. You just pledge a little tiny bit, either a dollar or two dollars or three dollars or whatever. Just pledge a little bit of money if you're a weekly listener. That's only if you're a weekly listener. If you're just tuning in for the first time, I hope that you don't end up hating me. It often happens. People hate me and that's okay. Also, a kind YouTube user was smart enough to tell me, you know what? I don't want to pledge to Patreon, but I do want to give you some money, but I want to give it to you in a big lump sum. So can you create a PayPal link? And I said, you know what? That sounds smart. So now you guys can go to paypal.me slash kind of neat. That's paypal.me slash kind of neat. And you can just PayPal a bit of money if you guys want to. That's a new thing. I'm down. Give it. Give us money. I don't care. You don't have to, but apparently some people like doing that because I've already gotten a few donations. And one of these podcasts, I will thank everyone that's done that. Anyway, if you're a new listener tuning in and you came to hear Van Style's story, I want you to be warned that I do insert myself into these conversations. I talk a lot. I tell stories back and forth with people. That's part of my process to get people to open up. So, if I annoy you, I apologize, but if you stick around, maybe I'll grow on you. That being said, I wanted to have Van Styles on because I also am a photographer. I went to school for photography. He is self-taught, and my theory on being self-taught is very much proven here because I generally think if you're passionate about something enough to teach yourself, then you are going to be more successful than someone who has to pay to learn how to do it. Now, that is a complete hyperbolic generalization, but it proves itself to be true in this case because Van Styles has become very successful as a photographer and he's turned his photography into a streetwear brand called Visual. And he has an interesting story. Started off in the porn industry, which you guys will quickly learn, and pivoted out of that into becoming a fucking king of Instagram and somebody that is highly influential on Instagram to starting visual, like I said, and now that's going strong and life seems to be good. So I think, uh, if you're an aspiring, whatever, if you're an aspiring musician, if you're an aspiring photographer, if you're an aspiring artist, stories like these do nothing but inspire you and, and tell you to like, stay the course, keep your head down and keep working. And so I had a pleasure talking to him. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Van Styles. How was your day, first and foremost? Day was pretty good. Couldn't complain. How about yours? Spent some time in the valley. Is the valley where you're from or just where you guys work? Uh, that's where I'm from, yeah. Yeah? You're born and bred in the Valley? No, nah, born in New York, then uh, moved to the Valley when I was young. How old were you when you moved to the Valley? 12 years old. Oh, so like you grew up in New York then for a, a, yeah. a lot of your formative years. Yeah. What part of New York? Queens and Long Island. I spent a lot of time out in Bayside, uh, Valley Stream. What were your folks doing out in New York? Uh, that's where my dad was born yeah. and raised. Uh, he met my mom. She was out here on the West Coast, met her, then took her back to New York. And how, how did you meet her in college or something? 
Nah, he was doing some stock stuff and she was working at a hotel or something and just, you know, I think that's how they met. Got the Mac on. Yeah, he was pretty smooth in his day. Yeah? Handsome guy or what? Yeah. Yeah? He looked like Robert De Niro. Oh, shit. Yeah. There you go. What, uh, what's his, what's your guys' nationality? Italian. Oh, yeah. Same. Well, only half, but only the good half, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Are you full on Italian? Yeah. Family is from Sicily and also from Naples. Nice. Mine's from, uh, uh, Calabria. Okay. Yeah. We got that in common, bud. There we go. Dad's family is always from New York. You got your grandparents there and everything? Well, his parents, uh, grandfather on his side fought World War II, died and then. Oh, wow. Grandmother passed away in 95. Yeah. You know, the, my my mom's parents are from out here in the West Coast, so they passed away, you know, years ago, so grandparents are. So when you're a kid in New York, would you guys be flying back and forth to California to visit her family? Yeah, we, we did a lot of flying in general. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you totally. know, back, yeah. So you, what, your dad was in the stock exchange, you said? He did some stock stuff. Yeah, he was he was a stockbroker for years. Yeah. Uh, then he, oddly enough, or not oddly enough, but he got busted for some insider trading shit. So oh no way! He went to jail, and when he got out, um, he found himself doing medical supplies. So that's what the business he started out here. So he started a company in Long Beach, and they would buy new and used equipment from hospitals and clinics that were closing down. And then he would refurbish them, fix them up, and sell them back to people opening up new spots. Holy shit! How long was he in jail? Uh, I don't know. It was before I was born. Oh, so, before yeah. you were born? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you got brothers and sisters? Yeah. So he had a first marriage. Oh, okay. And I have a, a brother and a sister from that marriage. And they were, you know, in their 50s. Um, and then he split up from that one, met my mom, and then had me. And I have one full brother. Okay. Yeah. And he's younger or older? Older. He's about three years older than me. Okay. Um, oh, wow. So he spent some time in jail before you were before you. He, were he, he was like... If there was like the idea of like a New York Italian, like that was like him. Like he grew up with a lot of people who did things and right. you know, some f- stuff fell off the back of trucks. He's got friends for it. that, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so interesting. It sounds like a Jake Gyllenhaal movie or something, you know what I mean? Like getting out of the stock exchange and starting of uh in, in the medical supply industry. Yeah, and you know, and he moved out here just to get away from his friends, not in a bad way, but to get away from his friends in New York because if he stayed out there, he would keep getting caught up to like clean up his life type of yeah, shit. Yeah, right? you know, you got a family and like you can't really go back to jail you can't you know do that kind of totally thing. so what were your early years like in new york uh i mean just a lot of a lot of playing outside like you know yeah. just typical stuff you know you play sports you spend a lot of time with your family you yeah. know i mean what just, sport what sports were you into uh, as a kid it was baseball was a huge one uh and some soccer didn't re- didn't really do basketball or you play second base I don't even remember. I think it was like outfield, maybe yeah. not second base, more yeah, like yeah. like left field or right field kind of things. Right, totally. And so, how does it feel when you guys find out you're moving to New- uh, to California? Like, are you stoked about it? Or are you like, oh shit, I gotta uproot myself? No, I mean, you get bummed, but I mean, you you just do it. You got to do, you know, you're you're with family, but it's also California is like an exciting kind of thing and. Moving, you know, being in California exposed me to skateboarding and like all this other stuff that I don't know. Right. Cause I think, I feel like I've read or heard just from around the way that you got your start kind of in the skate industry. Oh, well, uh, not no. with, with what photography? Yeah. No, no, not no? skating. No. Like I grew up, I was 12 years old, like discovered skating and that was like my life. And that was the intro to like, that was just, everything, yeah. you know? So I would go skate all the time. Um, but skateboarding, I think initially through the Thrasher magazine, all these different ones exposed me to, um, photography because, yeah. you know, when you're young, like you think of photography, is just this thing. But when you find something you love, like skateboarding where it's like, there's no rules and you see these images, it's pretty amazing. 
pulls you in in a different way. And how you can kind of like apply it to things that you love. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That was my intro to photography too. It was like falling in love with snowboard magazines. Um, I'm from Alaska originally. So that was like the equivalent to skating up there, I guess. But anyhow, uh, was that also like a big influence just on your lifestyle as far as like music preferences and everything everything as well? Everything. Skateboarding exposed me to everything. It became everything. Like I, I didn't give a care about anything else in the world skateboarding was it uh, you know fashion like you know dressing how i would dress the music i was exposed to because i'd watch skate videos yeah and at that time skateboarding was so underground so whether it was hip-hop or punk or whatever it was you're getting exposed to stuff like i remember you know dell in 92 listening to him and it's like high and like discovering that before like no one anyone knew of it and right. that was like the best thing is because usually skaters were kind of in touch with that next thing that was coming right it's so funny that you bring up dell with skate videos because i swear every dude that started skating like in the in the 90s early 90s they're always like yeah you know i discovered high road through skateboarding and it's like they must have just been killing the fucking skate video scene i mean they were just in the key videos and you know i mean they were plan b's questionable video which was the first at that point real modern skate video that i saw had a song in there and it was just an amazing song they were just in the right place. And it's funny because I wound up becoming friends with Jacob Rosenberg, who was one of the guys who helped make that video. He was in touch with that. For example, I had uh, drinks with Domino, the producer, and talking to him about it. He goes, yeah, man, because a year later, they did another song for virtual reality through Plan B Skateboards. Uh And um, it was a Souls of Mischief track. And he's like, that's when Souls album finally came out. And Domino's like, we're traveling on the East Coast. And if people are like, yeah, this album's great, but where's this one song that's in this video? And it's like, he was like, how are these kids knowing about this? And he said he was even shocked by like the output that skateboard videos had at that time. Right, just the influence and the people that was bringing yeah. to them. That's amazing. I didn't know it was like that. Yeah. I didn't realize they were doing like exclusives like that. I thought people were always just pulling off albums. No, I mean, they, normally they would, but so they had a big success with the first video, I think. So mm-hmm. when the second one came around, they're like, hey, like you guys want to do this again? And so they're like, yeah, sure, like take some of this. So they had like some tracks from Casuals, Fear yeah. Itself album. Then they had like the Souls track. So it, it was this thing, you know. That's dope. Yeah. Uh, being that you were like 12 when you moved out here, were you already kind of like, were, were you on that like, oh, cool, I'm like a young, I'm a young kid that gets to reinvent himself when you moved here? Nah, or was it just nah, like whatever? We, we'd been coming back and forth yeah. like a lot, you okay. know. So I was already exposed. It wasn't just like a, like a blank, oh, you're just here now. It's like right. since I was like four years old, like back and forth visiting yeah all the time and you and so mom's fam's out here so it's like a yes. comfortable transition yeah yeah right right and so um what's it like going to school out here versus new york like what was the what was the contrast just more laid back yeah. uh the junior high i went to uh was up in the valley it was nobel had no fences so ah. it was kind of like interesting um but yeah just, just more laid back like it's you know it's just a different thing you yeah, know totally. you, a lot of kids get driven to school dropped it, off by their parents right you know, right that kind of thing. and what kind of shit did you get into in high school man other than skating skating was i mean i'd probably say like uh just high school stuff skating um hip-hop shows trying to like have some fun uh right. and girls you know you're a teenage kid you're chasing girls so we would skate all day and then at night try to find like a house party or somewhere just to go hang out at uh, what hip hop shows were you going to up on Un- like Ventura Boulevard? Like uh, not Unity. Like oh, we would, oh, yeah, 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 we were yeah. trying to go to like Unity shows. Um, I mean Project Blowed. Like we were so engulfed. This skateboarding, I think, taught us to be against everything that's like mainstream. Yeah. So like you know we this is mid nineties. So it's like you know everyone in my school was like oh yeah like you know Tupac and 
whatever. And we were like, nah, like we're into, you know, AC alone or into project bloat or into high row. So it's like, that's where our heads were at. We yeah. didn't, we didn't want to be listening to radio shit. If it was on, you know, we didn't like it if it was on the radio. Right. You likely. guys were the alt kids. Yeah. So how'd you find out about project bloat? The initial thing was I was watching, um, I think it was element fine artist video uh-huh. and skater Stevie Williams had, oh, yeah, yeah. had a freestyle fellowship song. And it's oh, like, shit. you hear that, then you kind of like want to dig more. And it's like, you know, I remember going to like Aaron Records in Hollywood, and yeah. you're like digging through stuff. So you know. So then, would you end up going to shows out in Lamert? Uh, no, 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 no. Never. Were there shows in the Valley that you would go to too? Like what venues up there? Would I mean, you get? The, the only one I remember for not even for hip hop, it was for punk rock. Was like this thing called Cobalt Cafe in like Canoga Park. And yeah. So we would always be down to travel out and try to like see what we can you know get into. Living in LA, I feel like the Valley gets kind of this weird bad rep where it's like no one wants to go to the Valley if they don't live there or whatever. Or yeah. it's like kind of like the the stereotype is that it's like devoid of culture or something. Did you feel that as a kid? Like, did you notice that and want to like go into the city more, or was it like you guys found trouble to get into in the Valley? You know, what I, I mean? think I think the Valley it's it's gets that that you know that stereotype yeah stereotype whatever you want to call it because it's in a sense it's suburbia and it's like boring it's not in the city but the valley is like weird like i mean like we saw a lot of weird stuff go down you know it's like for the most part you have a lot of a lot of families a lot of parents and you know they do okay so it's like their kids are unsupervised and it's like that's pretty crazy in itself like you're gonna like leave a kid to a house and you're gone doing business or you're gone doing whatever and it's like you don't know what's going on It's, it's just a different level of you know, action and, you know, the city stuff might be more open and more in your face, but I think the Valley kind of has more behind the scenes. So the party scene in high school was just like outlandish or what? Uh, we had a lot of fun. Like we had a friend of ours and I think every crew has that one friend whose mom is parents are like, Hey, like we're the cool parents. So it's like his mom would be like, you guys can drink and smoke whatever you want, but do it here in the house. So that yeah. way you guys aren't driving around. Totally. So, it, I mean, we always had a designated spot at any house party, anything we went to went bust. Like, let's go back to his house. Like, your mom's going to go buy us alcohol and your mom's going to roll us joints because we're here doing it. So it's like, right. You know, like that was like, you know, you look back, it's actually kind of crazy to think about it, but it was definitely a lot of fun times. Yeah, I bet. I'm sure. Uh, and plus, I mean, the weather out there is just always so fucking nice and sunny. You guys yeah. don't even get any gloom. Like, Yeah. I mean, summers were amazing. Cause it's honestly would be like, I would, I did summer school all through high school. Cause I just never passed some classes. Really? So it'd be, you know, skate all day till sun went down. And when sun went down, that's like, okay. Where are we hanging out at? Like what girls are we going to call up? And right. Did you excel in like art classes or anything like that in high school? No, I didn't have like, I took a photography class one semester and I liked it, but like I was so distracted with skating. I didn't even like realize it. Right. So didn't do any art classes. Just kind of like, I'm going to get through this school thing. Like English was probably one of my best or favorite subjects, but were you working towards like trying to be a pro skater at some yeah. point? Was that in your head? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, me, and my, me and my friends were all getting sponsored. Like oh, we're okay. all doing stuff like that. So it's like a hundred percent. Like that was like, the goal. the goal like that was like this you know let's make this happen because we all grew up with people who were already pro or who were coming up so like we were surrounded by it and yeah it was definitely a, a thought on a lot of our heads well so tell me about that pre-internet skate era like you are you making like um tapes like uh sponsor me tapes and stuff like that yeah. and sending them out how does yeah, that work well, it, we would do high eight for a while um you know and it's just crazy like or even like when mini dv came out we were still like editing from like camera to tape deck so like hey record pause okay this deck trick okay hit that like a really raw editing process so. right editing like in camera yeah. right? well not or in no. camera but you have like a vhs deck oh, so yeah. it's like you're playing from the camera to that and you're oh. like 
doing the pause and record thing like right. just to get your clips and we had like a little mixer so we were able to add songs to our skating like it was and so did you have a whole clique of dudes who like had their certain talents like was it like yo this is the homie that knows how to film uh or you know later on we wound up like there was people who were part of it i was a huge that, that's the thing skateboarding i think any type of artistic thing for me originally started with filming skating mm-hmm. so me and a friend of mine nigel like we were really in the filming and editing so like we would film us our friends and make little like edits so like that was like our fun thing like mixing it like we would i definitely enjoyed it and skateboarding definitely was like that first exposure to an art form of videography right and then what does that lead to after you start getting sponsors and stuff like that like how far are you able to take it with i mean i i you know was i was amateur i did a couple of am contests in florida i did one summer i did like a three-month cross-country drive tour skating um and then the company i was riding for it was this company called Status. It wasn't a big company, but like I was psyched because I was like kind of like going towards with what I wanted to do. Yeah, and that didn't work out. So then from there, I was sk- just skating, just getting by. And um, there was a skate park that opened up in Northridge uh, called Northridge Skate Park, yeah. and so I got hired there to be an instructor to run camps over there. How was that? It was cool. Like it was just you know you get paid pretty good money and you yeah. skate all day and you get to hang out with young kids and try to teach them and help out. So it was definitely fun. Was that just for like summers or was that year round? That was one summer. So this is going to go into the story of where I, I got to where I'm at. Yeah, so, please do. So I'm in this doing this camp and there's three boys brothers in my camp and they knew of me through like this local skate shop 118 and uh-huh. they're like oh you're that dude whatever so. The dad took an interest. Like he's being real friendly. He's talking to me. So it turns out, like one day they tell me, like, "Oh, our dad owns this porn company." Uh. And, and the dad, I was like, "Well, this is so not what I imagined." A guy who owns a porn company he was very well spoken. He was, yeah. you know, he presented himself very well. So I told him. He's like, "Yeah, like that's what I do." And we still wanted to becoming friends. So like I would just take his kids skating like off hours because they were yeah. just cool kids. How did you imagine that a porn dude would be just like scummy? I think, I think sleazy. I mean, this is yeah. like, you know, 90s. So it's like, you you know, open shirt, a lot yeah. of chest hair, maybe some chains and just right. like very sleazy. But right. this guy was like, spoke multiple languages, very intelligent. It was just, just like, like look like just, a businessman. Yeah, 100%. Like if you were to spe- speak with him, like you wouldn't know that that's what he did unless he told you. Right. Um I knew that you had some kind of background in porn. I didn't realize that it was started so early. I thought there was like skate shit. Uh, uh, anyway, I, I was about twenty one when all this. That happened. was twenty one. Well, so what I was gonna say is living in the valley, knowing that it's like the world capital of fucking pornography. Yeah, is it something where like you're growing up and you just see like a woman in the grocery store that you recognize from like porn videos that you uh, that you snuck from people or something? No, I don't think it was like that. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Chatsworth, and yeah. and especially in that. It was like, oh, that's the capital of porn, and right. you know and the shit that I was like watching back then. It was like just bullshit VHS compilations I'm right. stealing from my brother. So I had no idea who these chicks were, and like right. you rarely, I don't think you would see them out. You know? Did you ever try going to college at all? I, I tried uh, for a semester at Moore Park Community College. Uh, just then, I didn't like it. Like right. it just, I was like, you know what? I'm, I just would rather hustle and try to do some skate something. Like it just didn't, didn't grab me. School just didn't click with you. It, that I mean, you know, but that at that age too, I'm so close minded to everything because I'm just again skating. Like that's all I saw. Like I, I wasn't open to anything else. Right, right. Um, so you start taking the dudes' kids skating, and yeah. the, and what happens? So became cool. With the dad. Then one day, the dad mentions to me he wants to produce a skateboarding adult themed 
porno. Oh, shit. And he wants me to produce it for him. I'm yeah. like, okay, well, what does that entail? And he's like, just make it cool. Like, get skaters involved. He goes, I don't want to put out a product that, like, you as a skater are going to be like, this is, like, another lame stereotype flick right. of this. Like, have fun with it. So I was like, yeah, like, I'm with it. Like, I'm not like, – at that point, I realized I probably wasn't going to be pro. I wasn't going to make, like, a crazy – you know, like, a good lifestyle from skating. Like, right. I should probably be thinking about the next thing. Right. Um, I knew an adult there was good money. I – thought the industry was pretty rebellious to a point so it was kind of like this is almost like skating it's, right, just, it's got that punk rock edge to it yeah you know and i was just like let's just see where this goes like this is gonna be a wild ride i'm sure you know right. so so well, he's like just make a fucking video and make it core like so skaters respect yeah it. yeah so i got some skaters involved yeah. to do little cameos and some tricks we rented out a uh, skate lab in simi valley and we actually shot like people like banging on the mini ramp while skaters are skating it <laughs> So it was just so bizarre. We got this pro skater, uh, Poncho Moeller at the time, to yeah. do a scene with his girlfriend. Like, it was, it was, it wound up being crazy. It wound up doing well. Like, it aired on Playboy TV and was well received. So after that, he goes, "Hey, like, come work with me." Like, so I went to work with him, and it'd be fifty percent like his personal assistant. 50% like just scanning negatives for his website from the porn shoots. Yeah. Well, hold on. Let's backtrack a yeah. second. When you're filming this video. I was I was just producing. I didn't get a chance okay. to film it. So this was just like merely connecting dots and getting things together. So, but were you on set that for was, it? I was on set, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're like location scouting too and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Right? So I was like, oh, like we need a, an indoor place. Let's go here. Like, yeah. you know, definitely like this is what we would do. So, so uh, being that I would assume maybe incorrectly that this is probably your first time like watching people fuck in person. <laughs> like, is, is it a strange sensation like being in front of that or was it just kind of like numb to it not strange yeah it's a sh- it's like a shock value because yeah. like you know just seeing a girl get naked you know you know and walk around like casually like you're like okay this is pretty wild and then when you saw them like okay go time like yeah go at it and you're just like wow like this is fucking insane like it's, right but in a funny way you know because i mean it's kind of surreal yeah, well, it's just like, you know, me and my friends did like, we had crazy shit when it'd be like hooking up with girls and such, but like, this was like just another level. And you're like, okay, like this doesn't phase them. And, right. you know, for me at that age, at 21, like not a lot of 21 year olds would probably be able to process that like yeah. directly, you know? Right, right. Um, that's funny. What Right when I moved to California, the big reality boom of porn was first hitting, I feel like. And I was living in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And, um, what was that? A college fuck fest or something like yeah. that? Do you remember that? I would see those dudes at parties like in Santa Barbara, like filming their shit. And they were like 21 year old kids that were like make, pulling in 50 grand a month or something for subscriptions. I just couldn't believe that that was like a hustle that was available at the time. I would yeah. have never thought to do something like that. It sounds like you were kind of in that same wheelhouse of like, I'm a 21 year old kid and now I'm producing porn. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a trip just because. I was just like, this is whatever. Like, I don't have many other options right now. Like, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to work. Like, yeah. this just let's just see where this goes. And, like, I worked with great people inside the office of this company. And it was just, like, this thing. It was just, like, a new world to me. So, How did you convince the pro skater to do it? He was just down? No, it's funny. Like, he was already doing scenes with his girlfriend here and there. And this agency we were working with was like, oh, we got this girl and her boyfriend. And I knew who he was, mm-hmm. you know, and so it just worked out like that. So the video comes out good and people like it. And the guy's like, come work with us. Yeah. So I will come work with him. Like I said, it was like, he was a bit of a mentor to me. So on business and like other stuff. So like I said, I'd be like his personal assistant for half the day. Yeah. 
then I was just scanning film negatives from the photos of their shoots, you uh-huh. know, for his website and doing stuff like that. Then it kind of came down later on where he's like, you used to do skate videography work. You want to try directing? Uh-huh. I was 22, so I was like, yeah, like I'm going to keep going so with young, this. That's so young, dude. Yeah, nice. it, it, was, it was definitely unheard of because he was just taking a huge chance on me. Like, right. you know, most people would be like, yo, this kid hasn't even been on many sets and you're going to let him direct? Like, yeah. this is insane. Right. And so what's directing like? Directing, it's, you know, you come up with the concept of your movie and then it's kind of like, well, how are we going to do these lead-ins and these intros to it? How you shoot the sex, what you want the performers to do, what you don't want them to do. Like, it's, it's everything, you know? Yeah. So you're writing the, the were there no, scripts no, no, or was no, it no, script. This was more kind of like Gonzo, yeah. Gonzo porn, which oh. more straight to the point. Yeah. So it'd be more like a music video-esque intro you know teasing some revealing of clothes sometimes it might be like a little uh, vignette skit where it's like dialogue and talking and okay a bit of a plot but nothing heavy like yeah. story based is gonzo when the dude's like holding the camera uh gonzo is just like a raw kind of thing where okay. it's just like the camera there's no wall so the guy with the camera can talk to the actors and okay. say hey you should go over there and do that like that's like that you know reality type. and so you're the guy doing that yeah and so how how <laughs> what, what kind of like what brain space are you tapping into while you're doing that are you th- i mean and this might be a ridiculous question but are you like okay what would i want to see if i was jerking off uh to a degree i think it's like that it's, it's almost like an artistic approach it's like well what do you want to see what do you want to do like oh that looks cool like do that again yeah um there's different things so you kind of can come up with concepts i mean but it's it's just a whole different like mindset, you know. You have to kind of tap into like your voyeuristic point is like okay, like what like you're saying, what do I want to see? What do I find hot and, and right. try it and see how it translates on film? Right, totally. Yeah. What are some interesting kind of like behind the scenes things about shooting porn that most people wouldn't realize? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's 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 not what people think it is for the most part. It's like. A lot of these people, especially in the Valley, they all work with each other multiple times. So uh-huh. it's not like you're walking in on people having this hot chemistry and passion. It's almost like a job. Like, oh, you again? Okay, great. Like, we're going to work together and we're going to do this. And they're run through the mill so much that at some point it just becomes redundant to them. Right. You know, the, and it's a hard thing to realize. But, the, <clears throat> excuse me, there's only so many ways to shoot sex. That's Right. You know, without getting so outlandish where it's like, yeah, I just want to see this. I don't need to see all that. Right, right. Um the actual act of it is there a lot of like preparation behind the scenes that people don't know about um i mean preparations can be changing out linens like so go rent some houses out there like yeah bring your own bed sheets don't don't do this on my bed sheets or if you're going to use this couch make sure there's a cover on it oh so, so it's like you bring paperwork you're bringing supplies and supplies could be you know waters um it could be feminine products you know yeah. you're bringing baby wipes trash bags gloves lube like you're bringing like kind of like this essential survival kit for, right. for porn you know right right um was this the time when like reality was a big thing or were you working with like big buff like porn looking dudes oh it was a cr- i mean it was, this was like more people in the valley so there was a mixture of yeah. stuff this wasn't so reality this was probably around 2002 2003 yeah I started directing, um, so it was just more like the, the the local porn guys. So you'd have some dudes that were kind of like the yoked up meatheads. You had yeah. the guys who had a different look. It, it was all eclectic all around. Right. Yeah. Um, and so where where does that lead you to? How long so, do you direct? Well, I, I directed probably for like 
eight years, nine years. Oh, that long? No yeah, shit. So, I mean, it became my livelihood. So I yeah. did that. Then like, so that's how I started photography was I was doing this video work and, you know, and I was also editing. So I would shoot and I would edit. Um, and then I used to have to hire a photographer and if his schedule was not with mine, then I'd have to reschedule a lot of things just to get it to work. So I asked my boss, I said, I have money. Can I just go buy a camera? I'm gonna teach myself photography and shoot my own images. And he's like, all right, go ahead. So I was getting paid to learn photography. Like as long as I would come up with enough images that could work for like box art and all this other yeah, stuff, like on the spot, it was cool. So that's where photography really Bef- started. Before we delve too far into that, <clears throat> because I'm going to nerd out with you on the photo shit. How does shooting porn that long affect your mindset? Like just emotionally and like with relationships <laughs> and with your own personal sex life, if without going too far into it, but like, you know, do you, do you feel yourself getting like numb to, to that kind of shit or what? I think you get numb if you let it, it's how you look at it. So the way I looked at it and it's, I, I like to analyze things in general. Yeah. So I looked at it, it as like, okay, there's relationships and porn. Their viewpoint was it's like it was truly more of a mental connection because the physical thing can get turned off and turned on with anybody. That's like, you know, what you saw around you. Uh-huh. So it made me kind of appreciate, well, you know what, that is kind of ill because if you just have that with someone, like physical is a weird thing with certain people, you right. know. Um, so I think it for me as a guy, it's like, you know what, half the time as a guy, you get jealous over some sl- some small stuff. Like yeah. in reality, it's like, yo, like they could be doing this. And it's like because like I do said hello or do whatever it's like you learn to scale back the jealousy because it's like there's a bigger thing going on right um I don't think it made me numb because if I was still attracted to someone like there was still that there it wasn't like oh man like I've just seen so much that like I can't right. even like do like oh if I look at another vagina today <laughs> yeah <laughs> not none of that yeah um would, would like the would the girls and the guys be bringing their significant others on set with them ever no, you would meet people who they might have been couples in the business together or you, they have significant others elsewhere. But yeah. I mean, you know, I'd never tried to dig too deep into their uh, thing. Yeah. What um did you like? Did you party with the gals and the guys? That yeah. I mean, like I was like fully in engulfed and yeah, like there would be parties in Hollywood, like, you know, release parties, whatever they want to call it. And like, I would just go to it because that's that was the industry I was in. Yeah. So, you know, How's that? I mean, it's just. <laughs> I'm trying to think. It wasn't like it's not an orgy, so it's not like people getting naked and fucking. It was just like a club in Hollywood. People would party there, but the dudes would, for the most part, there was nice people in that business. But the dudes were like super cheesy and lame. Yeah, you know. Then you have girls who are just like maybe your typical idea of like how porn stars act when they're out. And it was just like it was just that kind of setting, like, right? You know? And your your buds that you grew up with, like all your skate homies, were they like? dude you hit the jackpot let us come party with you kind of it was definitely like hey bring some girls or you know i want to meet this person i want to give this person like you know all my friends worked at skate companies so like oh i want to give this girl some shoes i want to give her some product you know i want to meet so it was definitely a little bit of that yeah how'd your folks feel about it did they care my mom was super bummed like (sighs) she was not into it but my dad becoming from his background he said look as long as you're not doing anything illegal like i'm cool with it you know so He's like, and just toss me some side salads. Nah. No, <laughs> no, no. Don't no. tell your mother. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, okay, so you pick up a camera. How far into your directorial career are you before you pick up a camera? Like within like less than a year. Oh, so you start like from jump. Yeah. And that, oh, man, I mean, dude, I didn't realize that like you taught yourself photography on set. That may. It, 
thinking about that in context now it makes so much sense that you're like so fucking good at shooting women because you must have like gone through a gazillion angles <laughs> well that that that's the thing like i kind of like looked back and like laughed about it because you know you can hear people i went to the school i went to this and that. yeah for me it's like yo like i realistically had to shoot women of all shapes sizes colors from having clothes on to have no no clothes on. And when there's no clothes on, there's no fucking hiding. So you really have to figure out angles. You really have to figure out different things to, yeah. you know, make, make them work. And, yeah, little did I know it was almost like this kind of raw training. Well, I mean, and it's a talent that not many people have, to be honest. Uh, not to jump too far ahead, but I went to Brooks Institute of Photography in Santa Barbara. And, yeah, you learn kind of about angles and lens language and stuff, sure. Um, it's a very tech nerdy school. But I'll tell you my partner and I that shoot together, we can shoot all kinds of shit, but I would say that like neither of us are half as good at making a woman look good as you are. And generally I would say anytime anybody's shooting women these days, they're like looking at your work as, as like tear sheets. You feel me? Cause it's just like you've, you found the right lens language and everything to just make women look astounding. Well, thank you. And yeah, you're right. It's like super difficult to shoot women, particularly when they're naked. Cause there is nothing hiding. Yeah, but, but no, it's like funny. Cause the compliment you gave me, cause like once I really started to like make use of like this backlit natural lighting style yep. that I kind of ran with people in porn didn't like it really they were like a lot of companies like nah like don't do that like and that's the thing i think i grew frustrated with porn was that it's so routine that everything has to look a certain way and there's no room for like hey like just do this like and how's the way they want it to look like like usually like flash but like harsh or bouncing the flash or you know it was just like yo like i I would do it and they'd be like some people might be like okay it's cool but then when it came down to it, they're like nah like we gotta get more images like this and I was just like this is like lame what's the first camera you get still still camera uh, it was like a Canon EOS uh, film SLR uh, it took like L lenses all that kind of stuff and then like this was right when digital was booming so the 10D had just come out yeah. like, a little bit after so I had that like those two bodies which... yeah and so you were shooting film when you started then mm-hmm. and h- what kind of film were you shooting do you remember uh, it was mostly like Portrait 800, like Fuji 800 or 400, because that's like what you can kind of balance with in between indoor, outdoor stuff. Right. Were you reading anything about like how to expose your camera or you just like have it on Uh auto and just like – Not auto for the first bit, but then I started to understand more. I would just – it was just trial and error. I would take it out with my friend skating just at my house, practice shooting things and just see like, oh, this does that, that does this. And then with digital, digital helped a little bit because it was almost like a Polaroid system where it's like I would shoot digital, see how it came out on the screen. Okay, that looks good. Let me go to film and do it with films. Right. Uh, so you start figuring out like what your apertures are doing yeah. and what your shutter speeds are doing. Yeah, and-, and, and so the same company I was working for, they used to do this process called like, like, a, like a box art cover shoot. So they would shoot a movie and then some of their movies they would reshoot in a studio and that would be like their cover shots. So I used to always go to the studio and hang out there and saw like their approach. And this was like very old school, like camera, you know, medium format on a tripod shooting and lighting and everything. And yeah. it, was, it was an interesting process. So I was kind of exposed. Hot to lights or strobes? Uh, hot lights. Yeah. Yeah. With the trial and error, like, dude, were you just like, where sometimes you're getting rolls of film back where you're just oh, yeah, like, this like, is fuck, I'm fucked. Well, I would be nervous. It would yeah. be like three or four shots. But I, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Christian Mann was his name. And yeah. He was just a dude. It was just like, all right, like just keep practicing. Keep you know, like he wanted me to. That was the thing. He wanted me to learn all this stuff because, like, I was this young dude that he was kind of bringing into this industry and like his guy. And he was just very much like he edits, he shoots. You know, like he was very proud of all that. How long does it take before you start being able to like 
recognized through the lens that you're like shooting correctly. You know what I mean? Like when things start to click and look good for you. I mean, there's two different ways. When I'm looking, when I'm thinking about like producing adult work that I like that I was into, I'd probably say it really took like five or six years, maybe. Wow. Like, well, yeah. before before I was purely like, wow, like I got this, like right, I can do right, it. right. Um, then I think the the realization of what photography meant to me and what it just brought to me was, you know, I'd probably say, you know, 2009, 2000. So yeah, almost like a similar time. Like I started taking my camera out more and more with me. So, right. It just started to like, you just had like a realization with it or I think or it was clarity kind of, because I would do photos and show friends of like other things and they'd be like, Oh, this is a cool picture. Or this or that. And kind of nudge me. But I think I started realizing this passion that I had for it that was so similar to skateboarding when I was 12. So it right. was just like this, you know, resurrection of like, holy shit, this is fucking great. Right. It gave you that same creative uh, – or it tapped into that same creative part yeah. of your brain. Yeah, because skateboarding – I, you know, played team sports as a kid. Then I learned I hated team sports. I hated jocks. I hated this fucking like – gnarly attitude of like win 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 you know and here comes skateboarding where it's like hey like there's no fucking score there's no nothing you take it you do whatever you want to do with it and that's it there's no right. rules and no nothing and that just appealed to me photography i felt was the same way where it's like you walk out your door and you shoot whatever you want like as long as the picture makes you happy that's what it comes down to so it was a sense of freedom and it was a sense of like I could use like my eye or whatever and just kind of interpret things how i want that's dope man um did you become obsessed with it where you're like constantly looking through, I don't know, like coffee table books and or, or like researching it online or anything like that? Or is it all just kind of like in your own insular like kind of trial and error world? I think for a long time it was just insular like trial and error. Where yeah. I wasn't Googling. I wasn't on Flickr. I wasn't like looking up a bunch of stuff. It was yeah. just really like, yeah, like this is a cool photo. I like it. Yeah. Um, I think maybe around 2011 I kind of started looking into like 2010, 11 is when I started like my Tumblr and – kind of started really breaking a surface of photography and like yeah. doing research and finding out more stuff so i mean it was definitely a slow process but maybe you know it worked out right before the tumblr stuff well were you like keeping your nose clean during this time like or, or are you out partying a lot uh, I, 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 I never got into like coke or, i don't like, mean like uh, literal uh, coke <laughs> i just mean like i don't i just mean like were you out like living a, a raucous lifestyle or were you like pretty low-key when you weren't uh, uh at like industry parties or whatever uh, you know? i mean it's pretty low-key unless yeah. it was like friends and right. such you know like i would go out like just i think just typical 20 year old living like you go out when you go out and like right. but it wasn't every night and it wasn't like raging to like sunrise you know every night so yeah did you are you married Do you have kids or anything like that? I have a girlfriend right girlfriend, now. Okay. Yeah, we have one kid. We have a one and a half year old. So. Oh, sick! Congrats, man. That's Thank like you. very new. How, how's being a dad? Uh, it's a trip, but it's, it's a beautiful thing. Like it's it's hard to explain. I think once you have a kid, you you see it and you get it. But I mean, it's it's a trip. While you're in the industry shooting the women, and you say you're out like shooting skate friends and stuff too, are you shooting any other? stuff for leisure like did you start i mean i don't know did you ever like shoot stuff where you're like oh i want to like shoot something i can hang on my wall no that i mean that came later on yeah but i mean it was like just going to new york for example i'm right around my cousin i'm shooting city like, but not like hunting it just kind of like oh that's a cool thing right here like i'm gonna right. shoot this right now so it was just kind of like whatever was crossing my path is what i was shooting yeah did you did a lot of your friends end up in like the action sports industry and skate industry in, in um, yeah yeah a lot of people i grew up with so did sure. you stay kind of around that industry during that whole time like uh, uh, knowing yeah. people yeah for sure because yeah. i would still skate um and then it was just like a barter system like dvds for you know, hey, if you send me some stuff, I'll send you this. Cool. Like, let's, right. let's do that. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So 
is Tumblr like what kind of really made it crack for you as far as uh, – I mean I don't even know what to call the world that you <laughs> kind of run now. But I mean I guess like the – I mean, I guess I would call it like hip photography or like modern, the I, modern. I don't know what it would be either. Like yeah. I was doing Tumblr um, just because it was like, okay, cool. I could like showcase imagery on here and there's no censorship. You know? Yeah. Um, how I discovered Instagram was about 2011. Yeah. A buddy of mine who does skate photography was like, hey, you should check out Instagram. Like a lot of the skaters are on it. Like it's this new thing. So I was like, okay, cool. So he's like, and I know you shoot. Like it'd be pretty interesting to see, see you share it on there. So I started doing that and I was shooting women because I was like subject matter. I was still around or I was around. So yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to do this. Um, but I would attribute like the attention of skateboarders being involved because, in, oh, this guy comes from skating and this is what he's doing. Like, check him out. Like, that was like a big thing. Right. Right. Did you did you see some success on Tumblr, though? Yeah. I mean, like I would start posting photos and see and like, but Tumblr is such a different thing. It's than, such a young world, too. But, like. but it's like. Tumblr is more just about simply sharing. It's not a right. big numbers game. It's not a big like, oh, how many – it was just like, hey, I'm putting this out here. If you right. like it, cool. If not, then – Right, right. Um, when Instagram starts, do you kind of feel like, oh, shit, like this is going to pop off for me or is it just like accidental? It was just fun. Yeah. Like there was like, – none of no one knew at that point what it was going to be. I didn't understand it when it first started. Yeah. No yeah. one knew it was going to be but I was like, oh, this is fun. Like yeah. cool. And I remember because like I was posting like risque, really risque stuff. Like so, I what? mean, like just like new, like not new, but like some, you know, suggestive nude or whatever this and that. And, and was it still like mainly porn chicks or what? Uh, yeah, just because a lot of those girls I knew, like, so I would just shoot with them. Yeah. Some stuff might be from set, some stuff might not. Um, but yeah, I got like my first two accounts were deleted, like when I did it because they were like, oh, nudity. So um, it was really weird and it still wasn't a big thing. But I remember like, okay, on this account, the third one or whatever I'm doing there's two ways I approach it. I was like, either I can keep doing this thing and be this rebellious guy, like, Oh, delete it again. Right. Or I could just be like, okay, well there's something, I, I saw that there was something there with it. I was like, let me treat my photography differently. Cause there's something going on. The name Van styles. Was that like always the Instagram thing? Was that like a graffiti tag you used to write or anything? That like was that? my, my porn name, my directing name. That was your directing name. <laughs> yeah. Styles. It just, it just yeah. stuck. Cause it's like whenever anyone hear it, they'd be like, Oh, that's not, doesn't, doesn't sound like a porn. Right. Right. Yeah. It always sounded kind of like hip hoppy to me. Van styles. Well, Van came from, my last name and then yeah. styles was because i was super into styles of beyond oh at the time i had to like create a, a you know directing name i was yeah. like okay let me just use this like this sounds fine nice uh that's interesting i didn't know it was connected to styles of beyond that's funny okay so yeah you mentioned earlier uh, or mentioned a, a second ago like the that the style is kind of backlit with like a really f- soft front light do you remember kind of like having an oh shit moment when you realized that was like the lighting style that worked best um uh for you when you're shooting porn um i don't remember the exact moment i just remember like, i would shoot it and i'm like yeah. you know what I, I like this a lot better than flash yeah like i learned how to use basic flash things but like i just remembered i'd love natural light like even when i was doing video i would try to use natural light as much as i could for video stuff so i was just a bigger fan of it It just looks kind of artsy or something not not so much artsy but it just looked more real right you know you don't have harsh shadows and it's like you have this freedom to move if you have like a well-lit place you can move 360 degrees without hold on let me move this light right. let me do this it's like no like you just go and i think that's a great feature to have yeah i mean natural light also hides a lot of skin flaws or it can just like it does a lot of um help for for 
humanity in general. I feel like when you're in photos, no, it could be for sure. Yeah, did you did you have like a matrix moment where you start realizing like, oh, I like I understand what beautiful light is now. Oh, and the reason I ask that is because like I always compare when I tell people about photo stuff. I'm like, well, if I hold my hand up and and, and you take a picture of it, what are you taking a picture of? And they're like, my hand. And I'm like, no, you're taking a picture of the light that's hitting your hand. So you have to like recognize what beautiful light is because if there's no light, it's yeah. just black. So did you start to like – while you're shooting the porn, how long does it take you before you're like, oh, that lighting looks fucking ugly and this lighting looks beautiful? I think it was just, it was pretty quick. I, I was Something about like that, like how it worked. Yeah. I liked it a lot and it wasn't like – it's better than it. it's just I liked it like yeah. that, I think that's what it was is oh I'm, I like this I'm you know like if you like you know vanilla pudding you're just gonna keep eating it so right. I was like I just like this like I'm not really concerned with totally you know so your first two Instagram accounts get deleted after how long like just like, a- I, like I don't even like not like the first one was like up to like t- I don't know at that point like twenty thousand and it gets deleted second one was like pretty quick yeah so it, I mean yeah it was when <laughs> when you restart them do you have to like change um uh do you have to like add underscores and shit or like how does that work? You had to create a different email account. Uh, I, think, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Uh. Tell me about the journey. Like what happens that Instagram starts to crack? Like um, so obviously, uh, you know, it's this new platform. I'm, you know, shooting a lot of women. I think it was interesting to some people because some stuff would be from set, you know, and then some stuff would be whatever. And then I had this like random skate culture mixed in with it. Um, I think that got people's attention. So it was funny too because – the last big company I worked for had a studio in Culver City, and I remember my boss telling me, like, why are you messing with Instagram? Because he came from, you know, porn, so he was like, you can't monetize it. Like, what are you doing? Like, there's nothing here to – you're kind of, like, wasting your time. And I was like, it's just fun. Like, I'm just sharing. And yeah. he wound up getting bought out. So it's funny. Like, we had a falling out, so he fires me. Best thing that ever happened to me. Um, and then oddly enough, like, the day I get fired, my friend who works for LRG he goes, hey – you know, you want to shoot this, this couple of ads for us in this lookbook. We're going to use, uh, you know, you bring some girls and we're going to shoot with the uh, workaholics and the the cool kids. Oh, shit. So what, what year was that? 2012. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, shit. All right, cool. Like, you know, let's see how this goes. And like I've known the guys from LRG for a minute. So it was really great opportunity and a really cool thing. And I worked with three girls from adult like Jaden James and Jaden Cole and Charmaine Starr, who I was friends with, yeah. and just rented this house, and it was fun. It was just almost like a party. They brought their skate team, workaholics were there, the cool kids were there, and like, yeah. and I shot photos that were turned into ads and like Double XL and Fader, and like that was a really big like moment for me. Like, holy shit, like this is cool. And was it all natural light stuff, or were uh, you using? Were you- I had an on-camera flash for some stuff, but a lot of it was was natural light. Yeah, and so it, being that that was your first, uh, was that that's like your first big ad shoot, I guess. Yeah, big yeah. ad shoot because prior to that, I had done um, a project with a company called Skate Mafia. Oh yeah. So I did uh, I did a deck featuring one of my that was like the first time like my image was taken from outside of like something adult and you know brought into like a skateboard or you know skateboard. And that was like the year before that or around yeah, the same time. That, that was like two years before that. Okay, yeah. Um so did you hire like assistants and all that stuff? You just did it by yourself? Yeah, I just did it by myself. I didn't like I never really had assistants. I still don't really have assistants. What were you shooting? Uh Canon five D Mark II and I just yeah. had a bunch of lenses. Yeah. And so are you archive I mean this is like getting really fucking yeah. uh, this is gonna get like kind <laughs> no, of inside baseball for the people, but I'm curious. Like, are you downloading cards as you're going or just kinda of putting them in your pocket or, or, or? Uh, I had multiple cards, so I would yeah. just put them in my pocket when I get home, then I would just download, download them, import them and I logged everything. Yeah. And is it something where you're like, Okay, I'll I'll uh 
I'm going to shoot these ads and then I'll deliver all the images to LRG and they can handle them? Or was it like, I'm going to pick my edits and send them the ones that I like? Oh, I got to do everything entirely. I picked the shots that I liked. I did everything and just delivered it to them. Nice. Tight. Um, And how does that, how does that feel like to shoot your first job that way? I I think, I think it was, it was rad because it was totally my way. Yeah. You know, to see it, like, I think it was super rad when you flip through a magazine and you see it and it's like, holy shit, this is cool. And it's because especially photography, I just realized this was the thing I want to follow and see where it goes. And like, yeah. just to start that, I was like, you know, I got fired from this, you know, this job. Then I was like, okay, like, I don't know what I'm going to do exactly. I don't have everything lined up, but right. this is a start. It was this perfect pivot kind yeah. of moment where like you got pushed off a cliff and landed in the warm yeah. water kind well, of. Well, yeah, that and as a mixture of things. So like, um, at that point too. So working through adult, I worked to a point, like I got in like right at the tail end of like, there was, I guess, big money in porn. Yeah. I mean, I was probably 24, between 23, 25, I was probably, you know, making average, like between 10 to 15 grand a month, which is a oh, lot for yeah. a young kid. So shitload for a young kid. Yeah. You know, so like I was making good money, but I was also spending fucking a lot of money. Cause in my head, Oh, this is, I've hit the spot. This is fucking it. I'm doing this forever. Right. And I'm going to make all this money. And, so I'm living this lifestyle and obviously stuff comes online for free Yeah, and the checks kind of start going down and down and down. Yeah. So then it gets to a point where like, I'm fucking like in debt, a lot of money and I'm just like check to check, like hustling different oh, no jobs shit. to do it. And adult was pretty rough at that point, but like I was barely squeaking by. Yeah. So at that point it was really crazy. So it just started this downward, downward spiral in a sense where like financially I was in a rut, but like I learned to like the guy from office space, I just stopped caring. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, creditors, like, you know what? I don't have, I, I don't care. Like, I don't have money to pay you. Like, I can't stress. I, I learned to not stress about shit I had no control over. Right. Instead, it was like, well, this camera, I pick it up and I go shoot and this makes me happy. And I think if you're in a better place mentally and positive, like, life becomes a different thing. If yeah. you sit and stress every day, every minute, like, all you're doing is just worrying about negativity. Wow. So what kind of like car are you driving at the peak of the porn shit? Are Dude, you- I, I, I had like a Navigator. I had a 3 Series like t- at the same time. Yeah. And then I had a condo. I, the best thing was I, I got a condo. Like yeah. I, you know, I put money into that. So that's what I was living. But like everything else was just like. Leases or rent or like. What, the condo buy- I was only. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the cars were, yeah, cars. just leases. Yeah. yeah. So I would drive that. I drove As like, like a, in your mid twenties. <laughs> That's so fucking wild. No, that I mean, yeah, to be like twenty four and be like, oh, like which car am I taking today? Like, yeah. it, and in the big picture, it's so petty and so small. But it was just at that point, like I thought I was the man because it's like, oh, I got this. I got money to go spend while I'm out. I got a, a place that I'm paying a mortgage on. Like I yeah. thought I was the dude, you know. I mean, I kind of, you sound like you were the dude. That was pretty dope. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think that you go through things in life. So it's like, I think it taught me appreciation of finances and money, you yeah. know, like to go through that and like fucking like at the end of the day, it's like, damn, like all I really got the show for, like this lifestyle was pretty much like camera gear and some computers and like this, this condo, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like at that point going back to like get fired and like my mind state, I was just like, fuck it. Like. I don't care what happens anymore. If my house gets repoed, like I'm fucking, I don't care. Cause in my mind, I learned also that nothing's permanent as bad as shit can be. It could turn around. It just depends on how long of time it takes. So it's like, you want to sit and worry about things like great, but if you don't take chances and it's like, you can sit and be cautious and what if, and all this stuff. And I don't want to do that. I wanted to be like, well, I'm young. I don't have, at that point I have no kids. I'm not married. If shit gets taken away, I could always get it back. Right. 
Yeah, you just got to work hard at it and eventually like, – Or yeah, or just, or just see what happens. I right. mean, you know, like life is meant to be lived, not to be like, well, you got to do the for sure thing all the right. time, you know? How does that work if creditors are calling and you're just like, yeah, sorry, fuck you. I don't have any money. Like, Just I- ignore, ignore calls or just like, hey, I don't have it, but – once we get to another part in the story, it all worked out in this fucking yeah. weird, you know. Well, tell me what happens next. Well, I, what I'm really curious about with the beginning of Instagram stuff is you just like casually went like, yeah, and then I had like 20,000 followers. I'm like, yo, I've never had 20,000 followers. So I'm curious, like how, when you first start posting, like how soon does it catch on? Is it like the first image you post of a half naked chick is like people are tagging their friends in and well, stuff? Well, like I said, I think skateboarding played a huge role in it. Yeah. So many skateboarders were on it. Yeah. So when I have skateboarders friends of mine who are pro and like oh like liking or whatever and yeah. telling their friends follow this dude oh. they're like oh, okay jumping on it so skateboarding 100 and at the same time like because i was fans of some of these skate brands like i would photograph girls and like huff stuff i would oh. photograph you know in lakai or whatever and, and then so, like, so now so now you're taking porn chicks or hot chicks or whatever and i was like oh they're wearing this obscure skate shirt like that's fucking rad so yeah. i think that played a big role i think it was just like the skate culture was behind or into what i was doing right which is funny was anybody else doing that before you or like was that just a because not, not not that i remember because now i feel like that's like the thing it's like put a hot chick in a streetwear brand boom you yeah. have an ad but i mean one of the reasons that i wanted to have you on is because i feel like you're the dude that started that right like <laughs> and i know this sounds like brown nosing but i really i really like in my head i'm like I hear people on photo sets go, can we just do like some Van Styles type shit? You know what I mean? Like you're, you, that's actually crazy if you're here. I do. You, you've become like kind of this, uh, you've become an ad or an adjective, I guess of like, Oh, we need to make it like look kind of Van stylish because nobody was doing that. Right. Well, well, I think for me, the way I looked at it was like at that point, at least on Instagram, I don't yeah. think anyone was doing it on that consistent scale. Yeah. Um, and then also, too, I think the lighting technique that I was doing, because I, I think a lot of traditional photographers would be like, oh, you never blow out your background. You never like do that. It's all supposed to be even and it's supposed to be this and that. So I think that lighting technique that I did was a little different because everyone was always like white wall, Terry Richardson, put a flash on and right. that's how you shot. Well, like, so that's the funny thing, too, is like around around 2009 10 11 when i would be i would be like oh like let's kind of make it look terry richardson i would i would hear uh from i used to work at a retouching house and i would hear from like big time professional photographers that like know how to light a goddamn movie set if they need to you know and just make it look beautiful they'd be like yeah the client wanted me to just like put a fucking bare bulb over my camera to make it look like terry richardson and they'd be bummed on that you know yeah but then it that's what i'm saying is like in the last few years it's slowly gone from make it look like terry richardson to make it look like van styles you feel me like how does that feel it's a big compliment if that's what's going on out there no one's told you this uh not like this not not in this kind of way i mean Uh. i I definitely get like would say oh this person's photos like look influenced by yours but like i'm so in my own like bubble like i mean you know right well and so that's the thing is like from the outside looking in and and knowing uh your body of work now i just see like i mean there are like hundreds of uh, probably thousands of like just imitators or you know what i mean yeah. like on instagram the get kids in the comments fucking oh i'd love to photograph you yeah, yeah. like you know what i mean and, and uh you're you're like the the you're the, you're all of their father <laughs> you feel me like you sunned all those fools uh, no but anyway so when do you realize like oh shit like the instagram shit is like really popping um i'm trying to think i'm trying to think because i think like that year like 2000 
11 to 12 yeah. was interesting because I did like, you know, so after Skate Mafia, the LRG stuff, then I do um, a 420 project for Huff, which oh, yeah. I was super psyched on. And it just kind of kept coming in and snowballing in. Um, and then I did a big project with a company called Primitive. Yeah. We shot at the end of 2012, releases 2013. Um, and I think that from the end of 2012 to about middle of 2013 is when I realized it's becoming, okay, this great vehicle as a photographer to showcase your work and it can present different opportunities. Is primitive, did primitive put your photos on tees? It was, it was a collect, like a collaborative collection. So we went to Miami and we yeah. shot some girls out there. So it was skate decks, it was tees, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Were people putting fucking hot chicks on t-shirts before that? They were, I mean, you could look at a company like tits was already Two doing in the shirt. Yeah. Yeah. They were, right. they were, that was like their lane. They were doing it. Um, yeah. but I think it was the aesthetic of what, or how I was shooting it, maybe, and the brands that I was working with. Yeah. Because um, Tits was very, like, photoshopped and... Like, kind of lowrider chick, almost, looking, no? Kind of, but, like, they would, like, you know, do, like, a black and white photo with, like, loud color pops. And, oh, like, right. But where mine was more, like, that's just what the photo is. There's right. no crazy photoshopping, enhancing, layering. It yeah. was just kind of, like, what it was. Yeah. What's the Instagram scene like now? Because there <laughs> are so many girls that are kind of, like... or I mean, there are so many women that are just blown up and have, like, millions upon millions of followers um is it this kind of like mutually beneficial world where it's like okay you know such and such needs you need to get shot by van styles and they're like van styles you need to shoot such and such it's going to be like Uh, an amazing collab and both of you guys will it was like that for a while um but then i don't i i definitely got not burnt out but i was just kind of like it just became this thing that just wasn't fun to me yeah you know for a while it's just kind of like okay so like you you know and it's natural. It's natural things happen. Photographers, for example, were changing the way that they shot because now they're trying to shoot for likes versus themselves. They're trying to like appeal to a public versus like, well, this is just what I fucking like. Right. You know, so I, I, I saw that and I was like, that's actually kind of lame. Right. You know, cause I would get a lot of flack. Like all you shoot is women and it's so easy and like, you're just doing this and which is funny because it's not easy, but it's not, but I mean, to the, feel free to have your opinion. Yeah. It was like, just, you know, like I've been doing this for long before instagram was here so this was a subject matter i was already doing but i think you as a photographer probably see a lot of guys picking it up and it's like oh i'm shooting women now it's like well why are you doing it is because you think this is your key to because that you know followers and fame or whatever right you put a gallon of bikini and all of a sudden you got a hundred extra likes exactly you know know? so then then the girls you know the marketing tapped into the models and now it's like hey like this protein and this shake and then this and then this that and it's like it just became this thing where it's like, you know, I remember it was fun. You were just doing it because you didn't know the outcome. And- well, tell me about the times when it was fun. Like uh, from like that 2012, 2013 yeah. area, era where like I would say 2011 was the year like Instagram kind of came out, I guess. And so it was still it, it this got, new it got, it world. It started getting yeah, traction. The, yeah, yeah, traction in 11. And so 12 and 13, people start to kind of realize that it's it's this world upon itself, right? Yeah. And you're kind of at the – you're kind of one of the forefront uh, male photographers doing it on there, I would say, right? Right. So, what is it like when it is fun? How? What are your days like? Like, how are you? What's your hustle about? Hustle is just shooting. Whether you know, I was trying to like learn landscape, cityscape, shoot other stuff. Yeah. Figure out like who to shoot with, and like just bare bones. Like, okay, like where? What location can I get? Where can I shoot? Like, it was just fun. So, how are you finding the the models? Models would be through. So at that point, there's before DM. So it'd be like email. Like you'd put your email link or account or whatever. Booking inquiries or whatever. I don't even put booking. I was like, I'll just 
email, like, yeah. you know, so I get, you know, Hey, I'm interested in shooting. Like, and you look at them and then, okay, cool. You have a cool look. Like, let's go shoot. And it was just fresh. Yeah. And so are you shooting, were you shooting like every day at the peak? Not every day. Cause I don't, I couldn't do that, but it was yeah. definitely maybe a couple of times a week and you're just, you're, it's exciting. You're doing a yeah. lot. Like it's just common. Maybe not. I don't want to say that the similarity but it's like i would imagine the music artist like okay you yeah. go your first tour like yeah like i can do this like all the time right. then maybe three years later like, okay tour like let me mentally right. <laughs> prepare you for gotta, this yeah you get burnt out on it for right. certain without naming names were there like some women that you preferred to work with over others like maybe some um were not pleasant on set and some were just the best on set or like was it all just kind of like uh well, it was mechanical funny. Well, it was fun it was funny because like some of the first girls i would try to shoot like you look at their thing, like, oh, you guys, you have cool photos. Let's try to shoot. And then you get there and you realize they've never even done a photo shoot. It's all selfies. Oh. So when you're trying to shoot them, they're like very awkward and insecure. You're like, but you have all these photos. And then you're like, oh, they're all selfies. That's why. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting at first. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, that, it's like every workplace. You're going to meet people that were just easygoing and like you had better chemistry shooting with than others. And how do you avoid being a creep as a photographer and i mean that in like now that instagram has become such a place where it's like people are clearly just trying to get women naked in front of their camera because they probably don't have game in general like how do you create a rapport that feels safe and trustworthy for a woman i i think it's just comfort it's 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 dialogue and it's comfort you always remind them or make it clear from the beginning you know you wear what you want to wear right so i tell girls if we're going to shoot you want to wear the sweatpants you sleep in wear that you want to wear lingerie wear that because i i learned long ago that it's what they're wearing is going to make them comfortable them being comfortable makes for better pictures and for me a woman doesn't always need to be half naked to be sexy like i've seen girls look very cute in just jeans and a t-shirt or whatever it is so that's a big thing and I think your body of work, um, your body of work can speak for yourself. And then also the photographic community between models is, is pretty digital. It's small. It's everyone's ca- everyone's connected. So yeah. you do a bunch of fucked up things. Like you're going to hear a girl say, don't chew with that guy. Like he, he's a creep. Right. You know? Right. Does your, did the background, uh, in the porn, uh, pornography industry kind of like, did that reputation precede itself? Like do, do women know like, Oh, like he's obviously not doing this to see naked women because he's been doing that for the last 10 years. Like, did they already know that? Mm, not so much. I don't yeah. think, uh, I was nervous that like, it was going to be like this stigma on me, but like, because of the way I was shooting, like I had girls who weren't important. Like, Oh, I like these photos. These are cool. Like yeah. we should shoot. You know? Right. Right. Did you have any models that became like a muse for you? Uh, there, there was a few. Yeah. That like you prefer shooting over other people. Not, not prefer, yeah. but it was just like, I saw that there was something their their range that they could bring to a camera. I would pay attention to, so I would just shoot with them, you know, as often as I could. Any shout outs for those girls? Like, uh, I mean, the, probably the most fa- famous one uh, I would say would be Tiana Gregory. Oh yeah, Tiana G. Yeah, yeah, we shot her once. She's a real nice girl. She's a real nice gal. Yeah, very beautiful. Jeez. Um, yeah, that's tight. Yeah. Did, did you guys kind of like? I mean, I don't know how many shoots did you guys do? Together? I mean, I so many a, a lot i started shooting her 2012 oh wow like her first stuff was with me so w- would you say like her being as big of an instagram celebrity as she is now at the beginning was it kind of a collaborative process like she w- did you scout her you know no, I mean? she emailed me yeah and just said i like your work i want to shoot and i looked at her images and i was like okay because at first there was nothing no modeling no nothing right. i saw one photo that was like okay there's something here and yeah i was like let's try shooting and i saw a lot of potential with her so it's like if you were to look at like the first shoots that we did, cause like she came and 
and, and not in a bad way, but the best way I could refer is like a reference idea of what she kind of looked like was remember the movie Clueless. Yeah, you remember Ty, Brittany Murphy's character yeah, before yeah, yeah. she became the cool girl. Like right. that was kind of like crinkly hair. Yeah, you know she did her own makeup, but she didn't know how to do makeup really. Right, you know. So I showed her one time. And I'm like, next time straighten your hair. I want to see how it comes. So she comes with her hair straight, and you can kind of start seeing it. Yeah, and then I wound up booking her for a lookbook uh, for the brand Rook. And I hire a makeup artist. First time she has a professional person do her makeup, and mm-hmm. you see that you, it's so amazing to see this progression. Yeah, of, of when I was shooting from her from like beautiful woman into like model. Yeah, like yeah. I shot her for like a year, heavy for a year straight. You know, and I did yeah. a lot of fun projects with her. So yeah, it's really cool to see that. Was she already like a fucking beast at working out when you met her? I mean, no, she's you, like you, such you, a. Workout. You could see the body yeah. transition. Yeah, like there was a point where she was skinny, and yeah. like didn't have big legs, and you, it's it's crazy because you could just see. Right, it, you know, it's funny. Like I don't really, I try to like keep my timeline kind of clear of of you know. I, I don't know, like Instagram, famous Instagram yeah, yeah, models. Yeah. I don't want my timeline filled of up course. with bikini chicks because I'm a fucking creep and I would spend all day looking at that shit. Uh, but and so I don't know who any of these gals are when we get hired to shoot them. And and then when I went and looked at her account, I was like, whoa, her workouts are like full on like Marines. Like it's like a Marine fucking boot camp when she does a leg day or something. It's so crazy. Yeah. Anyhow, um, so. How fast does your trajectory on Instagram go on that third account? Like, um, is it like you're back to twenty thousand in a in a snap, and then it's like your first hundred thousand comes quick, or how? how f- no, I don't remember the timeline. Yeah, I don't. I remember it was just like just you know, like you're just sharing, and you see numbers kind of going up, and but I, I really can't. I honestly never paid that much attention. It's like oh, on this day of this year, you know. So like, I, so I mean. A lot of people that I talk to that are heavy on social media, they get uh, kind of addicted to that notification cycle. You know what I mean? Like they get addicted to like yeah, every time it, you log on, oh, I have like, another 400 likes. Oh, I have another. It's thousand. like what's that thing called dopamine? Yeah, yeah. Like, you get a dopamine it, yeah, rush. Do, yeah. do you have that? Like we're, I had it. I had you, it. Yeah. yeah. But then it's like I think it's once you learn to like calm down and you're like uh, my whole viewpoint of social media is definitely – changed over the past year and a half i think yeah um you know you're chasing numbers you know you know i want to get twenty thousand, okay fifty thousand a hundred thousand like you put these numbers up and you reach it okay next one next one then but then the reality is like what's enough right like when is enough and it's like it's different things so it's like if you're a model and you're trying to promote protein like yeah you want more followers because now your rate for charging an ad goes up right. you know or if you're a photographer you know it's like that's the mindset but yeah i think Initially for me, it was just like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. I'm just collecting numbers. Yeah. Um, but well, I, I learned to stuff. So I turned off my notifications. Like I stopped all that because it's just like you're – Right. You know? Well, so before you're – before you start to reject the notion of like, oh, this isn't this isn't as fun as it used to be. Like at, at its peak when you were having fun collecting those numbers and before um, you're getting turned off by like ha- having to kind of pander for the numbers maybe I guess is how it feels. Like – um, what do you mean by pander? Well, which but when I mean pander, when I say like you, you probably at some point cracked the code as to like, if I do this, I will oh, get more likes. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, the code is obvious. Yeah. Like if you're a photographer, okay, you're shooting women. Yeah. Rather than try to shoot an interesting portrait. Right. You know, oh, just uh, pull the underwear by your butt and like stand there, there you know? So it's like right. easy. And then girls do it too. Girls, right. here's a selfie of my butt. Right. Like, or even not, and, and it's beyond the models. Even yeah. just as a landscape photographer, okay, you know, long exposures, nighttime cityscape shot. Like, right. 
you get it. And I think for me, it was like, once you realize that you're like, where's the challenge and where's the fun in it? Well, so that's kind of what I've, I've like all but given up on Instagram because, because <laughs> I realized like for, it's kind of gotten really boring and stale for me in general. But yeah. I also realized in doing what I do and having people that either like my music that I make or the podcast that I do or whatever. Yeah. If I don't post a photo of me doing some dumb shit on Instagram, it gets no likes. If I post a picture of my nephew, if I post a picture yeah. of a landscape, no likes. So I was just kind of like, oh, this is fucking boring. So w- when you start to uh, – like what are some things with that beyond the obvious of like put her ass in front of the camera? Like what are some other stuff that that you would notice would get more likes than others? I think it's, it's as low – it's – all right, and this is a you could process it every way, but low hanging fruit. Yeah, it's here's what I realized. So, with Instagram, it's a mixture of community. You have new photographers, people new to photography, you have people who aren't photographers but they're looking at photos. Yeah. So, and they're swiping through, they're looking through their feed. Yeah. The easier and digestible, more digestible the image is. Like, you know, right. okay, sunset. I, I realize the colors, like, you know, yeah. a plate of food that looks amazing, like, yeah. girl in her underwear, like, yeah. you know, certain things that just like trigger stuff in someone's mind. If you're into cars and I post a cool car shot, so it's like, yeah. but if you look at a photo that's layered or has like stuff like, what am I, like, you're saying, like, here's my hand, yeah. you know, what are you doing? Right. What are you looking at? You have something like that, you lost everyone. Right. You create a black and white image, most of the time, you lost someone. Right. So, you learn to understand like who's looking at this right. you know like and i think as a photographer once you understand that you're like hey like you can enjoy it you know if people like your work that's great but also understand it's a completely different different audience than the people who might go to a photographic showing or a gallery or yeah. who might come from a formal background in that. right did it get to the point where you're even starting to notice like which body parts do better than others like oh you know what this girl's ass does better than her breasts or anything like that? Or is it just, it's just it's, like, it's, it's pretty much, you know, put a girl in the laundry. Well, it was kill. like, I think it was easy. Like you could still see the formula going on. Like, yeah. so sneakers, like Jordan's oh, fucking yeah. easy. The chicken, any cool trending sneaker fucking points. Yeah. Girl's butt points of girls, big breasts points. Supreme. Supreme. A hundred percent. Like put the in Supreme. Like, yeah. and it's just like, now it's not even about the, photo you're just the subject like what they're wearing right and to me it's just like okay like you know here's the thing i understand if you grew up with supreme and that like, you're a fan of it or yeah but you saw people models like models who weren't in sneakerheads like i bought jordans now it's like well, you're buying jordans because you see it on instagram right it's like right stop <laughs> so there's like a meme not a meme but like there's like a viral photo of like a girl um with like fruit loops all over the ground and milk or something that's not you right no it's not me I, it's funny because i saw someone left you know the what I'm co- talking about. yeah and she's the, someone said like i remember seeing it because someone said like not me but they mentioned my name but it was like something but it was just like this like, and the meme is like oh girls are like doing retarded things to, like, right, to yeah. get on instagram like that's really what it's become it's like oh let's make you do something real silly you know well it, what, see what's funny was yeah. you know the last big porn company i worked for was reality kings yeah okay so reality kings was a whole different ball game because that's a huge internet company r.i.p kimbo slice yeah, of course <laughs> yeah so I learned a lot from them, yeah. you know? So here's what they were doing. They were pulling viral images from the internet. Yeah. Non-pornographic, just amazing viral images. Right. We're going to recreate this. We're going to recreate that. So they showed me the idea of like the big photo. Like it doesn't matter necessarily what it is as long as it, it draws a, a click or an attention. Right. And that's what I see happening on Instagram because I come from that world. Yeah. So it's like – it's now it's not about like, well, 
what's the most outrageous thing we can do to get attention, uh-huh. you know? And I, I've seen that. And it's just, it's so funny watching this happen, you know, yeah. in this pho- photographic realm. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting how uh, every social media that comes out, eventually people figure out the hustle behind it. And then it's kind of like, that's the slow death of it. Like with MySpace, it just all became yeah. advertisements for something or another. Well, advertisements, I mean, it's funny because I remember everyone complaining, oh, Instagram's going to start featuring ads. And everyone's yeah. like super pissed. But it's like, yo, realistically, like. Bin ads. Mo- most of everything, everyone's post is an ad. Right. You know, but the way I look at it is like, yo, if you like, say, for example, like this is my podcast, I'm advertising my thing, like fucking rad. Like I back yeah. that. You know, you're advertising your thing, you know, that's true to you. But when it's like, here's a random fucking product that like I am only doing because of this check, it's like, stop. Like, that's the shit we can do without. Right. Well, also, I I think um, you have these uh, kind of half half ass like social media experts that are like okay in order to get your likes up you need to do this this and this or i have people that are um starting new companies that they're, they're like yo what do you think what should we do to like get more instagram followers and i'm like you just have to create good content there's no shortcut like yeah. you have to like take dope photos and do it consistently right i like, think there's well, no shortcut i mean me and a lot of people we did it we were just doing it we weren't right. analyzing and looking at yeah. like, oh this one like you just do it like you're having fun and you're just like this is me and i'm sharing it because that that joy is the shit that shows through right i think so i think yeah. when, when people do things strictly for profit or they're trying to like do something you're like i get it i already see what you're doing it's transparent yeah. yeah totally um so how long is it until i mean i've noticed your content kind of changing on your on your page where it's like you're doing kind of more um stuff that's probably speaks to your to your tastes more as far as like cityscapes or or just even experimenting with lights and stuff like uh, how long was it until you're like okay i'm kind of i'm kind of maybe i don't know did you get sick of the instagram game or what what would you call it i think it was a process because for one i love photography yeah so and i and i dealt with some labels so like working an adult like oh that's that's the porn guy right there okay fucking over it you know yeah so getting into photography you know People were, oh, he's a photographer. But a lot of people, oh, that's the guy who shoots girls. Mm-hmm. So it's like, dude, I don't want to fucking be labeled. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't even care. Don't call me a photographer, but I don't want to be that. So it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to learn to shoot other shit. And mm-hmm. I would share it. I remember the first stuff I would be sharing. I'm not following you for this fucking, this shot. Like, I want to see girls. And right. it's like, okay, then you start seeing some parts of your audience. Right. But I just, I truly wanted to understand different parts of photography. If I've never done you know nighttime shots i want to learn them better if i've right. never done I want landscape cityscape i want to learn them better and like i'm gonna do it along this way so that started happening um and i just like i said i truly just wanted to kind of understand a lot more photography i've never done concert i'm gonna do a concert you know i'm gonna shoot skate i'm gonna do whatever it is because it's a challenge and it's new and it's different i mean it's so interesting at what a success you became in photography having like gotten so hyper focused on this one medium that then after you're already kind of like blown up and people are typecasting and expecting a certain thing from you, it's like, well, wait, I want to learn this other stuff too. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I I saw the game and it's like, I realized, okay, I could probably get to a million if I just keep doing this. But it's like, you know, I I want not for everyone else. I wanted for me personally to be able to look at my work, but you know, I'm fucking hyped on like the images that I took. If I just stayed doing the same thing and it's just like, why? Yeah. That's a sellout shit. Really? You know? So I was like, and I was like, I'm just going to do this. Like, and if you're cool, if you like, you, you appreciate a certain part of your audience that enjoys what you do. If it's like, Hey, I'm going to go this way. You guys are more than welcome to come if right. you want to see this. Right. Um, so I think it was just 
it just kind of grew into that, you know? Then, like, again, like you see everybody kind of doing a similar thing and, like, coming from skating. Like, the rule was always, like, if everyone's Don't doing bite. this, I'm going to go do this. Right. What is the thought process behind starting visual because earlier you said like oh like you your mentor or whomever was like why are you doing this there's no money in it did you that, s- that wasn't my original oh, mentor that okay. was just like another a, boss, a boss. But yeah, yeah. yeah but like was that kind of the thing where it's like oh this isn't really or like no visual came like a year after that um so so i wind up doing a bunch of projects i did stuff for huff i did stuff for hall of fame i did you know all primitive all these things so it got to a point I was already doing like my own little shirts on my blog, like yeah. a couple here and there, nothing crazy. Yeah. Where someone's like, Hey, you should do your own thing. Like, why don't you do it? You've already done it for everyone else. And yeah. at that point I was making a little bit of money, but I was like, yeah, like why not? Like what do I have to lose? You know, let me go do this, you know? And it's still at this point when I was talking about the financial matters before I was still hustling and grinding just to like get by every month. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I started putting it together and meeting with people. There's some distributors who wanted to work with me on it. Uh, then my friend Jay, who was one of the founders of Primitive, you know, I would vent to him like, oh, I had this meeting with this guy. I got this contract and it's just gnarly and it sucks. And he just came to me with an amazing deal. It's like, hey, like, I like what you're doing. Like, I'll be your 50-50 partner. Like, yeah. let's do this. I what, already know the industry. Were people already kind of expecting that or expecting you to make that jump? Because I, I would imagine after you do enough T-shirt collapse, somebody's got to be in your ear like, yo, man, why aren't you just doing this uh, independently? I don't, think, I don't know if people were expecting it, yeah. but I think – because here's the thing is like maybe aside from maybe Estevan, like no photographer had really taken that into their own hands and just done it. That's true. They've I, always just done it for companies. Right. And like, you know, I came from a thing where it's like, here, like we're going to use your photo for two fifty, five hundred 500 bucks. Yeah. You don't get any credit, you know, this whole thing. So I had a different approach to when I doing visual, how yeah. it was going to be. So oh, is that how, is that, is, they're just paying you a flat rate on the tees when they're the, using I mean, them? everyone brokers their own deal, but for yeah. the, for the most part, I think that time, yeah, it was just like, here, like, like a graphic art, like here's right. your, you And know? so if you have a t-shirt that blows the fuck up, you might not see any back end from it because they didn't know it was yeah. going to blow up. Yeah. That sucks, dude. It, it sucks. But for me, yeah. I looked at it as like stepping stones. Like this yeah, is totally. what I was, you know, paying my due. So, right. um, so yeah, so that happens. I line it up. Then we launch it, um, and it was pretty interesting. It was it was through Instagram. Obviously, you have this like social reach, so it yeah. had an audience there. And it was for those who were following me. You saw my story. You saw like I had people who were following me since the first couple of accounts that got deleted. And you saw, whoa, he's doing this now. He's doing right. this he's, now. He's doing right. this. Like holy shit! Like so, in a sense of inspiration, it's like I was like real time. Like this is what's going on. Right. Uh, where did you come up with the name Visual from? Uh, so that was something I learned with with Bobby. So I was doing a blog for the hundreds, the hundreds. Yeah. So I think that's actually where I kind of started seeing your stuff first was yeah. through the hundreds blog. So my logo is always a V a solidus or a slash and an S. Right. So Bobby said, what do you want to call your blog? And I would just say, Oh, I want to call it like visual stimulant. I want to call it visual something. Uh, so Bobby's like, Oh, like, let's just do it like this. If you have the slash, like, let's just do that. Yeah. So that's in a sense, like start off the blog and then, you know, worked out as a company thing. How'd you meet Bobby? I met Bobby through uh, Scotty. I don't know if you know the Trills. No. So it's someone who's worked with the hundreds for years, an amazing guy. Yeah. Um, so I became friends with him. And then through him, I met Ben and I met Bobby. And one day I was at, I was at the office saying hi to him and Bobby's like, hey, I want to talk to you. You know, Do you want to blog for us? And I was like, yeah, like that'd be yeah. amazing. Did you guys bond over a mutual affection of photography? 
Bobby just put it simply. He's like, hey, like you're taking photos, you're hanging with skaters, you're shooting models, like you're with music people, like it's fucking cool. Like, yeah. So I was like, yeah, and I was a fan of you know the blog and everything. So like, yeah, yeah, I mean the blog's amazing. So what was your initial goal with the blog to do? Like, how often were you posting? Uh, and- posting a couple times a week. Yeah, and was it just kind of? I, I mean, I can't remember. I know I used to like check up on it, but it, was it? words and photos or mainly just words, photos? And, words and photos yeah. yeah i try to provide a little background or you know to the story of the imagery and everything and was it more like was it a lot of it was like just the full-on photo shoots right or were you it'd doing be behind photo the shoots, scenes stuff it, would, too? it would be random stuff it'd be skating with friends it'd be going to a music concert it was kind of across the board main, a main focus on women but across the board on everything yeah. else yeah totally um how many pieces did you come up with for visual when you guys launched? Uh, I believe it was one, one skate deck, and then it was some tank tops and some t-shirts. Yeah, because we did it like a quick strike thing, um, right at the beginning, almost this month, so almost about three years ago. Oh. like we did it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't a huge thing, but it was like a small little collection to kind of like sell online some indie stores bought it and saw how it moved and then yeah it got a lot of momentum who were the models on the first t-shirts asa akira oh yeah was one of them it was a couple of random like street shots um you know no big time named models that people would know of for sure but you know yeah uh and so how soon is it after that where that becomes the full i mean is that the full that's the full gig right yeah well yeah. once that happened yeah um then it's like okay we're developing a full line you know, a couple months, a few months after launching it, I think it was like, yeah, like a few months after launching, like in between that time, like PacSun major retailers, like, hey, like we're interested in this and like yeah. we're switching up our whole thing. You know, we think this will be better suited for us and safer tits. Like, you know, the tits was what they were coming with. We're not into this. Like, your stuff is in line with where we're going. Right. Um, because, because, like, at that point, 2013, 2014, like, uh, scantily clad women on a t-shirt was a very popular graphic, right? In general. Yeah. yeah those, were, mean, those were moving. And, and not why they were, but yeah. PacSun at that time was in an interesting place because they were revamping their image. They were dropping all the surf, getting more into like streetwear and right. like, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so I think that's maybe where tits didn't align because it was so heavily edited and graphic where the mine were photo. It was photo. more of a, yeah. a traditional photography. Right. So how, how, um, I mean, so that sounds pretty quick then that they reached oh, out. Oh, it was super quick. Yeah. 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 It was through a friend of mine who was like, hey, you should talk to them. And like they were just down and they definitely helped get the brand out there a lot more. And it was, yeah. like, you know, so we did that. And like, so through that first half of like 13 or the, the of doing visual, like in 13 was like yeah. turned into like, whoa, like, okay, like I'm doing all right where I don't need to like take other jobs and do stuff. You and know? So how, the, how the fuck do you figure, how do you navigate that world? Is it like Jay from primitive helping? Jay, you out well, he, so yeah, our, our dynamic is that he yeah. is a, more of a business guy. Like when we all knew, we, he and I knew each other from high school. He wound up getting a background in finance and business. Oh. So when he helped start primitive, like he was one of the financial founders and he helped run the business. Yeah. Um, so his thing was like, look, like I know the business, I know production, I know all the stuff. He's like, I'll handle this. You do this. We can work together. And like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. So he was an integral part and being able to do it. Cause if I was trying to balance everything, no fucking way. Right. Right. And did you have any background in, um, I mean, does like just design in general? No, no. So I was working with designers like these yeah. are the images that I like. How do we lay it out? What do we do? Yeah. How would you find the team that you trust? Um, through Jay. Like yeah. so, it was he and I. Then a sales guy who was working, it was main sales guy Diamond, uh, quit them. So it was an opportunity. He was willing to work with us, start something yeah. new. 
we had a freelance graphic designer guy working with us. And then like, we wound up like meeting this guy, Danny, who's still with us today. And like, he was like the only dude we interviewed and like, he was, he's just it. So it's yeah. like, we've had a very solid team yeah. over the years. How, how has the company evolved in the three years that you've been doing it? Uh, it's, it's evolved in different ways. So for example, cut and sew, we, we were expanding from printables to cut and sew different items. And also our approach to photography, the traditional way of, um, just a square image applied to a shirt. Like that's kind of already been done a billion times over. Everyone's seen it. So we have some interesting mixed media type of designs, more of like a zine kind of feel coming out. So it's what we want, you know, incorporating more graphics as well. Like not just like, here's like 20 photos. It's like, no, like here's our selection of photos. Here's our graphics. Right. Here's other things. But it's also become a very photography based and inspired brand where you'll see like numbers, like, you know, apertures and right. f-stops and, ISO and all this kind of stuff that as a photographer, it makes sense to you. The other people, it's just like, oh, it's an interesting design number they're using yeah. or whatever they're, you know, they're going with. Being that it sounds as though you keep your mind kind of just open to the universe and like accepting, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you kind yeah, of yeah. accept opportunities that come your way. It seems like you're kind of a lead with yes kind of guy. You know what I mean? Where like, if you see an opportunity, like, yeah, let's try it. Um, knowing that you've ended up in, in this clothing industry and, and this kind of like streetwear line, do you look back and go like, Oh yeah, no shit. This is, this is like, reminds me of what I was doing when I was like 10 years old and, and I was like doodling t-shirts or is there anything like that where you're like, yeah, no duh that I would end up doing this. Um, I think it's just, I think honestly, I think it's just like the love for doing something you have fun with, yeah. you know, like think once I realized that, cause like, so a little bit of backtracking. So like the financial shit, like, you know, photography is this love. It's making me happy and everything building up. So it's even crazier. So I got to a point with my mortgage where it was just like, Oh, like you're months behind, like you need to meet with us or we're going to fucking like repo your shit. Wow. Or, you know, you're yeah. going to fucking get kicked out of your house. I'm like, all right. So I met with the bank. I'm like, here's what I'm making. So they're like, okay, cool. We're going to see what we could come up with. So that, you know, they came up with a number. It was not because I was paying like 1800 for my spot yeah. plus property taxes and like other shit. Yeah. They're like, okay, look, here's three payments you need to make for like eight something. Make these payments and we're going to adjust your mortgage for you. Uh -huh. And But this is right when everything clicked financially with me with visual. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, like, here you go. Like, boom. They wind up adjusting my mortgage to like eight. 65 with taxes included oh wow so like and and i definitely made some good money so i was like holy shit like uh, blessing in disguise whatever the yeah. fuck you want to call it yeah i don't know it was just one of those things where it's like for me it felt like okay like i threw caution into the wind but i followed what i fucking loved i could have sat there and be like oh, i need to get another job right now i need to, you know and just wound up getting something that i fucking hated or yeah. i could have went back to adult and been like i need steady work i'll do whatever and like you know, like it was just that weird thing how you're saying it's like where you're supposed to be. And like that's yeah. just what I felt like. This is where currently in life right now I'm supposed to be. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had all these things fall in place. Right, man. That's great that it all just like clicked at the right time. Yeah. What's next for the line? Just expanding. Yeah. Um, as, like I said, expanding the line. So I'm really excited. Uh, Summer is a good release we're going to be putting out um, on this Friday. But fall, holiday, spring, like, I think the line is just expanding. We're going to start doing some shorts, like, just amazing cuts and sew pieces, jackets. We're actually going to be start, um, we have a collab with Modernica coming out at the end of the summer. 
Um, and then we're also going to be selling uh, the apparel in the uh, Leica stores. Oh, shit. So they saw some of our... Yeah, you know, well, Leica sponsors you, right? Or they oh, just it's, flow it's, you it's gear? An, it's an ambassador yeah. kind of partnership. Yeah. Um, but I was just showcasing images on Instagram, uh, yeah. this, one of these past agendas, and they saw pieces that they liked because they were pho- photographic inspired. And they're yeah. like, let's talk. Like, we like these. So You know what's funny is that and I, I've been shooting photos for over 20 years now and i've and i've always dreamed of owning a leg i've never even shot one before they're the they're such beautiful cameras oh sexy bastards yeah they're fun yeah that's is that you're pretty that's pretty much your main rig now or what? yeah i mean once um i was shooting canon for years and did a lot of good stuff with canon but once i picked up like a range i bought a used m6 and yeah. got hooked onto the focusing like the rangefinder kind of thing yeah um but it was more their aesthetic and their, their approach like yeah. and you can People have their own interpretation of what Leica is, but for me, it's like I've shot with Sony A7s, and they feel like computers. They don't feel like cameras. You know, Canons are okay, but Leica's like their whole point is like, hey, we you should be focused on taking photos, not menus and buttons right. and dials. So it's like right. I love that, and it and feels like, like a camera in your hand. It's so heavy and and just like yeah, yeah, it feels. And, but and then old also like school. you know, and then the manual approach to it, the fact that most of their stuff is manual focus. So it's like I love that it pulls you into it that it's not just like you could point it any which way and hit a button and yeah it makes you think a little bit yeah 100 percent. yeah well man shit it sounds good it sounds like you're like inspired right now feeling good uh, i am i'm, I'm thankful 100 percent thankful yeah. you know I, I still trip out that for the past three years i've been able to wake up and do what i do you know not every day is great but yeah. the same idea that i do what i do and i'm not you know, working for someone else's dream. I'm not, you know, at a job that I despise and I hate. And, right. you know, I have great friends, you know, I got a beautiful girlfriend and I got a, you know, a healthy, beautiful kid. And there's a lot to be thankful for. And, yeah. but I think it just comes back to like, I, I will always insist and push people like follow it. Unless you've got like crazy responsibilities, like take a chance, follow what you fucking love doing. Because for me, I don't want to be 60 or 70 and wonder like, you know, what if I would have followed photography? I wonder what could have happened. Like, that's the kind of shit. That, that's the reason I wanted to have you in here was to tell the kids that right there. That was beautiful. No, no that, that's the most sincere thing I could ever absolutely. say. It's, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was having the same conversation today with a friend uh, before I got here, and it's like, yeah, like it, a, as a creative, it's like, dude, you gotta just, you gotta just lead with yes and fucking follow your dream. Like, don't like really the thing that I draw from your story is like, don't give up. It sounds like you had a couple moments where it was like, oh, it yeah. could go either way. Where it's like you go and just become normal or, or, or like you just keep following that dream you know what i mean yeah and then like when starting visual or even following photography the idea was like if i could just make enough money to get by i'm fucking stoked because i yeah. learned early on you know with doing the adult stuff it was a crazy time that my life and working in that industry and i learned a lot from it but yeah the reality came when that money wasn't there it's not like oh i'm still gonna do this cause i'm so into it you're kind of yeah. like fuck like I realized that money fucking tricks you. You know, you yeah. think you're super into something only because you're making so much, but when you really find something you truly love, and that's what it comes down to, is like, will you do it with or without fame, notoriety, and money? Yeah. Like, and that's photography. Like, with or without Instagram, I'm still shooting. I've been shooting for you know the past 14 years or something, and it's just like that's that's what makes it good. Totally. You know? One last question. Yeah. And. I guess maybe it's kind of a, it's kind of a real it's kind of maybe out there, but it sounds like uh, being that the 
life has kind of taken you where the wind has blown is kind of what I gather from it. Like, it sounds like you were kind of a, a listless student, like didn't really care about school. And then the skateboarding took you where it might take you. And, and that led to the porn. And then the porn led to the photo. And it's just kind of like li- life no, takes is. you where it's supposed to be. So I, I, I feel I relate to you in that, in that, like, I kind of just try to keep open and, and, and let life take me where the opportunities will. But that being said, I don't really have an end goal, and I'm and I'm wondering if you have an end goal. Like, if if um, visual were to like, God forbid, not not work out in the long run, like a few years down the line, you know what I mean? Like, do you have something that that is a, is a dream job? Because I don't know if I have one. Um, it's weird because I try not to think like maybe I need to at this point, but I yeah. try not to think about like like what like, what's the next move, right? Honestly, I just feel like for me, as long as I have photography, there's something. Like if I wanted to be, if like, hey, visuals and work out, fuck it, I'll go be a wedding photographer. <laughs> I could right. do, you know, like I just think, you know, try to focus on what and focus on what's going on with you right now. I think pay attention to people and opportunities as they come because yeah. that's when that next shift can be. For sure. Um, you know, like I hope visuals around for 20 years. You right. know, I mean, like I know the reality of things. Not everything works out as as planned i i right now visual is a big part of me it's a part of Fuck jay yeah. and everything that we're doing and we're working to make it better and the idea that it's only been three years which is still infancy compared to right you know huff and the hundreds and all these like other companies so it's like we have a long way to go to establish but it's also fun because it's a lot more time to grow and develop yeah. and i think people trip out and it's probably through social media where it's like oh i thought you guys were around a lot longer and right. it's like because everything's flashing by us on our screens like so quick. Well, hey, man, this was dope. I appreciate you coming in. Where can the people find Visual Apparel? Like what's the website? Uh, www.visualapparel.com. That's easy. Yeah. And then your Instagram is just – is it Van underscore Styles? Uh, no, it's just Van Styles. Van Styles. One word. One Twitter, word. Van Styles, one word. Yeah. You know, Tumblr is you know, Van Styles. It's all, it's all the same. So For sure, man. So yeah, and I mean – you, you, I think you're well run out enough to where you can just Google Van Styles and it's gonna pop up. <laughs> the, the SEO is heavy. Well, thank you for the uh, yeah. compliment. Yeah, again. man. I, I feel like half this podcast was me brown nosing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming in. Everybody go cop a t shirt at visualapparel.com and follow uh, my man Van Styles on Instagram. Uh, as you guys know, my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery at I Am Database, base with two S's. Follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat. Uh, YouTube.com slash Kinda Neat, where you can see last week's guest, Anna Wise, perform Go, and where we just hit 60,000 subscribers. So thank you guys for that. Uh, download the podcast app. If you're listening to this on Kinda Neat.net, Download the podcast app, search for Kind of Neat, download it, uh, or subscribe to it, I'm sorry, and um, leave a comment, five-star rating, et cetera, et cetera. And you know the deal. We have a Patreon account where you can go pledge to keep the podcast going at patreon.com slash kind of neat. Pledge like a dollar per episode. Just go do it. No big deal. That being said, that was Van Styles. My name is Lee, and this was Kind of Neat.